This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Sit in friends in the morning. 77 WABC. The special election to replace ousted Long Island Congressman George Santos. And according to a new poll, the must-watch race with congressional implications appears to be tight heading into Tuesday. According to a Newsday Siena College poll, Tom Swazi leads Mozzie Pillip 48% to 44%, the district that represents parts of Nassau County and Queens. Both candidates spoke about their plans for Long Island as they make their final pitches to voters. Democrat Tom Swasey and Republican Mozzie Pillup in a race to replace the seat once held by embattled ex-congressman George Santos. Whoever wins could be the difference in making a Democratic or Republican majority. You have to choose between somebody that people know who's been around uh, versus somebody who's unknown. Tom Swasey time is over. He had the opportunity. He created this mess. Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin has been taken to the hospital again. Secretary Austin was taken to Walter Reed. What the Pentagon says were symptoms of an emergent bladder issue. Now, he was not taken by ambulance, and defense officials say he's not been admitted at this point, but he's still undergoing tests. The Pentagon notified the White House, Congress, senior Pentagon leaders, and the public right away. In January, Austin faced weeks of scrutiny for not telling the White House that he underwent surgery for prostate cancer or that he was hospitalized with serious complications from that surgery. Secretary Austin transferred his duties to Deputy Secretary of Defense Kathleen Hicks. Rescued after four months in captivity. The Israeli military says these men, 61-year-old Fernando Simon Marman and 70-year-old Louis Ha, have been rescued from a residential building in Rafah. Israel says the men were kidnapped by Hamas from Kibbutz near Yezak on October the 7th. They are only the second and third of the Israeli hostages who remain to have been rescued. The IDF confirming last Monday that 31 of the hostages have been killed. Israel has also announced the death of two soldiers, Adi Eldor and Elon Kleinman, both 21 years old, killed in southern Gaza, but not involved in this rescue operation. The focus of the fighting remains for now in Khan Yunis. The IDF says it's going well, but it's not done yet. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has said evacuation back to the north is possible once the IDF moves into Rafah. The areas that we've cleared north of Rafah are... Uh, plenty of areas there, but uh, we are working out a detailed plan to do so, and that's what we've done up to now. We're not uh, uh, we're not cavalier about this. This is part of our war effort to get civilians out of harm's way. It's part of Hamas's effort to keep them in harm's way. He says that sending troops into the city is necessary to win the war against Hamas in its final stronghold and to bring the rest of the hostages home. But there is considerable international pressure, including from Israel's biggest ally, the United States, not to attack the city, and certainly not without a credible plan to protect civilians. Sid is among the most important defenders of Israel and the Jewish people today, and his defense could not come at a more appropriate time and in a more appropriate setting. Sid's audience, and he's so effective with his audience, 
are ordinary folks, everyday folks. They're not fancy academics. They're not necessarily the members of Congress. They're the voters. They're people, many of them, with open minds. And they're people who don't know a lot about the Middle East. His recent trip to the Middle East was so educational and so informative to so many people. I just wanted to send a message of how important it is for Sid to keep doing what he's been doing on behalf of Israel and the Jewish people. Mazel tov, Sid. Hi, I'm Mark Levin. Some people call me the great one. Some people call me the great big one, depending on how much I weigh. But I want to say this. It is a tremendous honor to be able to speak to you on behalf of my dear friend. I feel like he's my brother. Sid is a leading light. Sid is one of the most patriotic people I know, and in two countries, the United States and Israel. If I were in a foxhole, I would have once Sid there with me. Sid and I text all the time, and it's the same subject, Judaism and Israel, what we're up against, how we fight for it, what we need to say, share each other's information, it's so fucking fun. He's a big man with a big heart. Sid, I want to thank you for all that you do during these very dark and good times. God bless Sid. God bless America. God bless you. First down and goal to go. Play action fake. Right side throw. Touchdown! Kansas City! McCall Hardman! McCall Hardman with the catch on the right side! A three-yard touchdown pass in overtime! Kansas City wins the game! 25-22! And the Chiefs Kingdom has started its own history class! Because for the first time in 6,944 days, there is a back-to-back Super Bowl champion, and it is the Kansas City Chiefs, champions of Super Bowl 58 on the heels of Super Bowl 57.
Blinding lights. Blinding lights. Sing it, Bono. Of course, what you two are singing about here is the beautiful city of Paris, France. But when you come to America, it's fair to say that Las Vegas is, in fact, the city of blinding lights. The song is about Paris, but Vegas makes sense, and it's always good to play you too, especially at 6.10 a.m. on your new week, your Monday morning, with your favorite talk show in New York, the self-proclaimed best talk show anywhere in America. That's us, sitting friends in the morning. And, uh, yes, the, the last highlight you heard, lot there, right? You got the Philip Swazi race finally coming to an end, the special election coming up tomorrow, the day before my sister Lizzie's birthday, and and also Valentine's Day and Ash Wednesday, all that coming up on Wednesday. So tomorrow, the big election, Lloyd Austin, he's back in the hospital. The IDF rescues two hostages during their raids in South Gaza, in Rabat to be exact, after Joe Biden told them not to go there. Some very kind comments and videos presented to me for my big night at the Fifth Avenue Synagogue on Saturday by two great men, lawyer Alan Dershowitz and Fox News star, and WABC star Mark Levin, but it ended with the Chiefs. And uh, the Chiefs get the win, and this is exactly what I told you all last week, what I told Justin Ellick, what I told Joseph Tacopina, and a host of others, me and Mike Francesa. Mike said the same thing, and that is, you cannot go into this game and bet against Mahomes. Now, look, one thing I'm happy about today is I'm not on Sports Talk Radio, because the 49er fans... The San Francisco fans are going to blame the head coach for the loss. And why would that be, Sid? I'll tell you why. 1919, you go into overtime. The 49ers win the coin toss in overtime. So what you do is you go on defense because you see what the other team does and you respond. So if both teams score, for example, on their first possession of overtime, the next score wins. Same thing if neither team scores. But if the Niners kicked it off to Kansas City and Kansas City scored a touchdown, the Niners would not kick a field goal on their next possession. They'd have to score a touchdown to tie the game. But they still get the ball even if they... No, the game's over. uh, If the first first score is a touchdown. They still get the ball. Okay, that's the You still get the ball. Each team gets the ball. At least, no matter what they do. But but you had to be a moron not to know that once the Niners kicked a field goal in overtime to take a three-point lead, you had to be a moron not to know that Mahomes was going to go right downfield and win the game. So you can blame the coach all you want, and I believe it was. It was a tactical error, but give me a break. That's what sports talk is. The fact is, we should not be killing Shanahan today, talking about what San Francisco did wrong. We should be talking about this Chiefs dynasty. They're a dynasty, folks. Bottom line, two straight Super Bowl wins. That hasn't happened since 20 years ago when Tom Brady and the Patriots beat the Carolina Panthers and the Philadelphia Eagles in Super Bowls 38 and 39. They've now won three Super Bowls in five years. I mean, the numbers after this game are intense. There's only been now three quarterbacks in the history of the NFL to win more Super Bowls than Patrick Mahomes. You want to take a guess, guys? There's only been three. That have won more Super Bowls. Now, Mahomes tied former Dallas Cowboy great Troy Aikman with three Super Bowl wins 
Only three quarterbacks have won more. Obviously, Tom Brady right. won seven. Uh, Terry Bradshaw, Bradshaw won four. Right. And Joe Montana won four. But that's it. That's it. How about Andy Reid? Andy Reid gets his third Super Bowl win. He ties Bill Walsh and Joe Gibbs. Only two coaches in the history of the game have now won more Super Bowls than Andy Reid. Take a guess, guys. The coaches? Yeah. Well, Belichick, obviously. Right, he won six because Brady won one with Tampa Bay. And the other one is Chuck Knoll, who won all four with the Steelers. That's it. With the win last night, Andy Reid has won more Super Bowls than these names. Tom Landry, Don Shula, Vince Lombardi, Bill Parcells. I mean, what I'm trying to explain to you folks is the Chiefs also tied the Giants and the Packers as an organization with four Super Bowl wins. Only San Francisco, Pittsburgh, and the Pats have won more. Last night's win makes this team a legitimate dynasty and one for the ages. There's two big plays, too. Like, didn't they miss an extra point? No, they blocked it. They didn't miss they it. The Chiefs okay. blocked it. Okay, Chiefs that's made a right. very big play. Yes, that's of course. Very big. It wouldn't have been overtime then. Yeah, I know. But then again, Pacheco fumbles inside the okay. 10. I mean, I know the, the Niners also fumbled McCaffrey on that first possession, but... Again, this is why I don't like sports talk radio, because <laughs> you go terrible. back to every play, yeah, every, every play. At the end of the day, you're either going to collect from your bookmaker or not tomorrow. And if you took the Chiefs as a two-point underdog, you're going to collect because you were smart and you said Reed and Mahomes will find a way to win. That's it. You can't and that's against it. them. Whether it's Shanahan making a stupid decision, which he did, whether it's a fumble, a blocked extra point, the point is the Chiefs find a way to win again. Great teams just win. That's it. That's all there is to it. They find the way to win. Usher Always. was good. He was not, uh, you know, the CNN is describing Usher this morning as dazzling, which is complete nonsense. Let's just pander to the black guy again. I mean, give me a break. He was good. It's fine. He was better than Rihanna was last year, but he certainly wasn't nearly as good, uh, for example, as Jennifer Lopez and um, and Shakira a couple of years ago, let alone you 2 or Springsteen or any one of those acts. But it's fine. It was good when Alicia Keys came out, even though she hates Israel. And uh, Ludacris, Ludacris was good, which is okay. It's fine. I thought Reba did a great job with the national anthem. How about Chris Jones, Kansas City Hall of Fame defensive lineman, crying during that? I thought Post Malone, who looks like an idiot. I'm sorry. His stupid teeth, tattoos all over his face. It just looks dirty and stupid. But he's a, <laughs> but he's a very talented guy. His America the Beautiful was great. He's going to look great in 15 years. Oh, he looks like a, com- <laughs> he looks like a complete idiot. He's going to feel great yeah. about that. He my, may be, by the way, he may feel great because he's got millions and millions and millions of dollars. And oh, sure. what does he care? Okay, but his face is not going to, is going to look like a jigsaw. Uh, so what? He's still going to get a girl who okay. looks like Pamela Anderson because he's got $30 million. Okay. But he does, to your point, to my point, and your point, he looks ridiculous. Daddy, why do you have that on your face? <laughs> he does not. Does he have kids, that guy? I don't know. I think he I, does, yeah. He does? Okay, but one day, they're gonna, they're all going to just... <laughs> but the NFL, you know, the NFL did it again, you know, uh, before they even sang the National Anthem or did America the Beautiful and all that stuff, they have some a black lady out there with like five other black people singing a song. And my kid goes to me, what song is this, Dad? And I go, I don't know. And then it occurred to me that the NFL, and this is racist. This is absolutely racist. The NFL has somebody perform the black national anthem before the game. Right. Now, look, the Star Spangled Banner, the national anthem, is for all Americans. It's not for whites. 
It's for whites. It's for blacks. It's for Asians. You name it. Latinos. That is our national anthem. There is no white national anthem unless you find some Kid Rock or Toby Keith song. Why do we continue to do that? That is racist to have a black national anthem when the Star Spangled Banner, despite what Colin Kaepernick, that asshole, thinks, is for the whole country. You cannot get away with that. And I must tell you, a lot of people were pissed off last night. Advertisers, they actually showed people in the stands rolling their eyes, white people. Black people are like, oh, yeah, 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 like you know, Eddie Murphy, you know, in, uh, in 48 hours, clapping, doing the golf clap. White people were rolling their eyes. Stop. Roger Goodell and the NFL, you want to put end racism in the end zone? God bless you. It looks stupid, but God bless you. But the black national anthem, that's enough of that. You guys agree? Well, the other guy, who's one of his guys, is also running the league, Jay-Z. Of course. That's what it's there. They're, they're one of the biggest bigots there can of be. Course. He and his wife. Oh, please. Sorry, no one wants to say it, but they are. They of course just, they are. They are, but... And his hair looks oh. stupid, too, Jay-Z. Cut your hair. You look like an idiot, oh too. My God. my God, does he look stupid. <laughs> makes Post Malone look like, you oh. know, David Beckham. And his wife, who I've had enough of with the, uh, you know, between Beyonce and Taylor Swift, I just want to vomit all over myself. But Beyonce with the, uh, the, the, the commercial for the cell phone, first woman to go to the moon, first woman to be president, first woman to blah, 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 blah. Shut up. <laughs> a good time. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> but I did like the game. You know, there was no offense in the first half. But give me a game that's going to be close. It was close. I knew once Kansas City got those three points on the last possession of the first half, they were down 10 nothing. They couldn't muster any offense. Once they got the three points at the end of the first half, I knew they were getting the second half kickoff. I said, we got a game. Now, they come out in the second half, and Mahomes throws a pick. And Travis Kelsey almost knocks down his head coach in a moment of anger, frustration. I don't know what that was. Oh, nice guy. He's good. Travis? He's all, he, oh, he's excellent. Oh, That's yeah, great. Yeah. To come up on to Andy Reid, who's had enough to deal with in his life. Not to mention that he's leading you here and he's about to win his next. So you knock him over. That would have been the greatest story yeah. of all if he just knocked him to the ground. I'm not that, a big I mean, look, that, he, 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 may be, he may be the best tight end ever. Ever. He certainly is statistically. And another big Super Bowl win. And he had a huge second half and a very big play, the play before the touchdown to win the game. So you can't argue how good the guy is, but he's annoying, too. You're right. I mean, getting on his coach and the whole Taylor Swift thing, the big make-out kiss oh, in the cry. middle of the field. I mean, give me a break. They just cry. He and Mahomes are criers. Yeah. That's it. They expect to win. And once, the muff, once that uh, uh, punt was muffed, that was it when they got that was the lead. It. Yes. To me, I like that game is over now. Yeah. Now they have the lead and they are in the game and San Francisco's mindset is completely changed. And I'm like, great, now we've got to change what we're doing. All right, so let's uh let's go Mets, let's go Yankees. Yeah, let's go. Gee, the, the, the Knicks, the Knicks are a legitimate powerhouse in the NBA inside the Eastern Conference. The Rangers, still an excellent team inside the Eastern Conference in the NHL. Let's put football to bed. Let's have people like Joe Nolan say stupid things like, let's go Jets for the 60th consecutive season. <laughs> My God, is that old already? Even the Giants. I have no idea what to expect from the Giants. I don't even know if Daniel Jones is my starting quarterback. I have to deal. Who's going to be the quarterback? Uh, I guess Daniel Jones. I don't know. You know, of both teams, who's going to be the who Well, is, no, Aaron Rodgers is the Jets quarterback. Yeah, but unless he, he gets hurt again. Well, once he gets hurt, once he... If he well, can, well, Woody Johnson, he came out last week, and he was really nasty to Zach Wilson. Also nasty to Robert Sella and Douglas. 
fact, an article came out yesterday in the Daily News that Robert Sella is not out of the woods yet. He can still get fired. He can still get fired before the start of the season. That's how pissed off Woody Johnson is that the Jets have gone seven and ten in two consecutive seasons. Wow, well, great for him. He's, he's made such. That's great. But yeah. Woody Johnson is finally pissed off. Yeah, he's finally only, pissed it's off. It's only been sixty-four years or something. <laughs> yeah, Good yeah, for I'm him. A stupid Excellent job. job. <laughs> the um, the weekend was big for me too. Besides the uh, the Super Bowl, which I did enjoy, Saturday night was a big big deal. My uh, my award, I got the Guardian of Israel Award at the. Fifth Avenue Synagogue. I want to go into all that. There were some great speeches that night, including my main man, Curtis Sliwa. He took the house down. In fact, he walked in. He got a standing ovation, Curtis Sliwa, inside a temple. But before all that on Saturday night, my friend Dory Lewak, when I say my friend, I just met her last week, didn't even meet her, texted her last week, thanks to Jacqueline Toberoff. She wrote a story in Saturday's New York Post, and it read... Radio host Sid Rosenberg gets wake-up call in Israel and has message for Americans, quote, get your act together. And the best part of this story was, well, there was a lot of good parts. It was in the New York Post online. She had great pictures in there. Me holding a rifle in Gaza, right outside of Gaza, I should say. Uh, me uh, praying at the Western Wall. Me at the Nova Music Festival. Me at the kibbutz where the, uh, the horrors took place. But the very first sentence, Norman Lou, is where you can't get better. Here's how Dory starts the column. Saturday's New York Post. Radio legend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how many copies of this did you get? Somebody get me a cigarette, please. <laughs> get me a napkin and a cigarette right now. You couldn't say anything after that. <laughs> no, it didn't matter. No, it didn't matter. He did go on to say radio legend Sid Rosenberg has, has gone from Canorsi to the kibbutz in his first visit to Israel and has a message to Americans. Get your act together. Radio legend. How about that, boys? Wow. That's great. Canarsie to the kibbutz. Canarsie to the kibbutz. That's the shirt. No, I never lived in Canarsie, but the first yeshiva I ever went to was in Canarsie, Ocean Primary School, way back when. Well, we'll just go with it. <laughs> yeah. So we got a lot to cover today, folks. I mean, a lot. A lot of news, a lot of politics, a great night Saturday night, Super Bowl Sunday. Here's our guest list today, folks, Curtis Sliwa. Rich Lowry, John Katsimatidis, the great Steve Bannon, and WFAN, another legend, Joe Beningo. The number is always 1-800-848-WABC. That's 1-800-848-9222. The Chiefs are the champs. So is Sid and friends in the morning. We're back post-Super Bowl Monday right after these words. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC.
Today and any Jim Morrison, I can tell you that. Which one of the great Doors members? I was going to say celebrating a birthday today. Something tells me he's probably dead. But who would it be, Lois? Well, the other key member, Ray Manzarek. He think uh, seventy four, nineteen thirty nine. That would make him. Oh no, he died at seventy four, so he would have been eighty. He was born in thirty nine. Yeah, that's sixty one plus twenty four, eighty five. Yeah, thank you. You're all over it. Okay, well, excellent job. Yes, thank you. He I'm was on. really the door. Oh, too. Manzarek was He's, great. Yes. Great. I'm watching out of the corner of my eye Fox News talking about this daring Israeli rescue. The Israelis do this better than anybody. IDF soldiers rescuing two hostages and uh, Noam. You know their names and how old they were again. They I are, do. I should say. Um. I don't have them by heart, but yeah. um, it's a 70-year-old and a 60-year-old, and it was Shin Bet that went in there. Um, it was Fernando Merman, who's 60, and Louis Har. They were two of the people that were taken back on October 7th during that massacre. Yeah. And Shin Bet going into Rafa in southern Gaza and finding where these uh, hostages were being held. Meanwhile, the Israeli military, as a diversion, is uh, sending uh, explosions on other parts of Rafah to get people's attention. They break into this home. Yeah. They kill the hostage takers, and they're able to take these two, get them onto a helicopter, and fly them back to Israel. And apparently, they're in pretty decent medical shape. They look good. I did see on CNN this morning <laughs> such... Oh, I can't stand CNN. They are showing video of little kids and women, you know, with, with the eye patches, bleeding from the face, bleeding from the arm, trying to make the Palestinians into sympathetic figures, while the Israelis pull off this daring rescue and save two hostages. Let me just remind you folks again, Israel would not be in Rafa today, I promise you. I promise you, Israel would not be in Rafa today if you didn't act like a bunch of animals back on October the 7th. So my friend Latel Boran, she lives in uh, Tel Aviv. She has this on her Instagram page today, and I stole it, put it on mine. You're going to love this, Noam. It reads, Biden told Israel not to advance into Rafa. Israel ignored Biden and rescued two hostages in Rafa. How's that for an effing touchdown? Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know if you saw this yesterday, Sid, but Netanyahu taking to some of the news shows yesterday yeah. dis- uh, over the numbers of people killed in Gaza. And that numbers have been bantied around like 25,000, 20,000. He says, yeah, maybe 20,000 is right, but he says 12,000 of those 20,000 are Hamas fighters. 100%. And that's uh, Netanyahu, who you can trust. Hamas, you can't. And Biden, you can't. You know, again, I got to hear one more time that the special counsel said he's old, and now people think 86% he's too old. Again, I wish that was the only issue. If he was a, a sympathetic old man, 
in the middle of the early stages, if not middle stages, of dementia. That would be one thing. But he's corrupt. He's a criminal. And what he's doing to Netanyahu and Israel has nothing to do with his age. It's because he's a scumbag. You understand that, folks? So I get it. I get it. And I say he's not a nice old man suffering from dementia. He's an evil old man suffering from dementia. And a lot of folks don't even think he runs a country anyway. You know who they think runs this country. The same man who, according to some folks like Roger Stone and Steve Bannon, sat down with Joe Biden about a month ago and said, you're done. The same man that people think is trying to convince his wife to run for president of the United States. You know who that guy is, right? Black Jesus. Here's Donald Trump speaking in South Carolina, telling everybody he's the guy that's really running this country. Trump cut number one. We saved America from yet another horrific Biden betrayal. I don't think he knows what the hell he's doing anyway, so. I always say, by the people that surround him, or by, sometimes I'll interchange, I'll say, by Barack Hussein Obama. Barack Hussein. But every time I say that, the fake news, oh, that's a lot of fake news back there. The fake news. Every time I say it, any time I want to be, have a little fun, Governor, we have fun sometimes, even though the country's going to hell, we have to have a little bit of fun. But every time I interchange Barack Hussein Obama, remember Rush Limbaugh, he'd go, Barack Hussein Obama, I wonder what he was getting at. But every time... I do interchanging. We do a little interchanging. They say, he doesn't know who the president is. He thinks it's Barack Obama. I say, no, no, but I think Barack Obama has a lot to do with running the country right now, and we can't let that happen. Right. He has a lot to do with it. Yep. So we also did a radio interview with uh, Wayne Allen Root, who's been on this show a couple of times. He's out of Las Vegas. He's really a handicap-returned-Trump buddy, I guess, political analyst. I don't know how that happened. But he talked about Carolina. What uh, is South Carolina next week, Noam? It's the 24th. So that would be the 24th would be the end of next week. Yeah. Next, not this Saturday, but the following Saturday. That's right. So Nikki Haley is still sticking around despite the fact that she got blown out a third place finish in the Iowa caucus. Even in New Hampshire, where she won the independent vote by about 50%, she still lost overall by 11%. Humiliating. Now she loses in Nevada in that caucus. The polls I've seen have it down by about 35 points in her own state. And then, God forbid, if you're a Haley fan, you look at the projections on Super Tuesday in those seven states, she's down like 60 points. But this moron is still running. And Donald Trump talked about that with Wayne Allen Root in a radio interview this weekend. This, Lewis, is Donald Trump, cut number five. You know, we're doing really well in the polls, the best I think I've ever done in the polls. You would know that just as well as me. I don't think I've ever done this yes. well in polls. We're leading we're leading Biden by a lot, a tremendous amount. We're leading Nikki by numbers like, uh, I think, 88 to, 88 to 12 or something, <laughs> somebody just told me. 88 to 12. And uh, she keeps running, and we have to waste money on that. But we uh, we go to Nevada. Uh, we have the islands, as you know, that that comes to, and I think we should get uh, all of them, all of the delegates. They're all about delegates. So we come out. I'll be out there tomorrow, and we'll be 
We'll be doing a lot of work in Nevada, and I think we're going to win it. I think we're going to win it very big. I think we're going to really win it big. Then we, but we go to next week. We go to South Carolina, and that's going to be very exciting because I think we're going to win that one very big. And、uh, she was a fairly、uh, unpopular governor. A lot of people don't like her. She's got very little support from the people and really little support from elected officials. That's true, as you heard my friend Nancy Mace on this show. South Carolina Congresswoman, she's endorsing Trump. Tim Scott endorsing Trump. Lindsey Graham endorsing Trump. These are all South Carolina politicians. You did say last week, Noam, that you thought you heard a rumor that she may drop out before, but it doesn't seem that's the case. Oh, she still has time. It, I think it, you know the thought was that if she was going to lose by enormous amount, that she didn't want to be embarrassed in her home state. Well, she's going to lose by enormous、yeah. amounts. Don't you think over thirty points is an enormous amount, especially in a state where you were governor? Yeah, yeah that, that's what she's going to lose by. Well, good for her. Traffic with、uh, Joe Nolan is coming up next.、Uh, right now, it is time for the seventy-seven WABC clip of the day. Listen to my good buddy John Katzimatidis. Great show every Sunday morning. It's the Katz Roundtable. That's where common sense prevails. Always tells both sides of the story. Once again, every Sunday morning, starting at eight. Or listen any time, folks. Listen to me. I compel you. I urge you. Download the free seventy-seven WABC app. When you get out of the car, the show is still going on. You have to listen to every second of this show until 10 a.m. every morning, or you're really screwing yourself. Download the app; it's free. 77 WABC. Let's go to clip two. Here, John talks with my good buddy, the Staten Island Borough President Vito Fosella. With us today is the Borough President of Staten Island, Vito Fosella. You had a lawsuit against the city, along with teachers, on congestion pricing. Yeah, this is a very serious matter, and frankly, I think people are finally waking up to the implications, the negative implications of congestion pricing, which effectively is forcing or would re- require people to pay a tax or a toll entering Manhattan,、uh, in addition to everything else they pay just to get to Manhattan. Alright, Vito and John. Our first look at traffic, the best in the business. Joe Nolan, my dear friend Joseph, and、uh, as you talked about earlier, you've got the Super Bowl hangover. It makes Monday morning always kind of quiet. Then tomorrow we're facing a legitimate snowstorm, so we、yep. may see quiet roads in this city till maybe Wednesday or Thursday this week. Well, certainly today. And what happens is, is always Super Bowl Monday. Always, it's lighter than usual. And then what happens is, this one, of course, went to overtime, so it's even lighter than usual. So, and also now you have the added attraction of. Being able to work from home, so I'm expecting a pretty light rush hour this morning. We'll see though. Southbound on the Turnpike, the outer roadway between 10 and 9, a tractor trailer fire. Again, the right lane going to be out of service. That's actually been there now for quite a while. It's really not、uh, causing much of a delay, if any, but still nonetheless. If you're westbound on the Jackie Robinson at Union Turnpike, an accident again, one lane out of service. Northbound on Taconic, coming into Route 202, all lanes are closed.、Uh, there's a car fire up there with police activity. Apparently, some injuries involved in that one. Now, a couple of trains that are going to be late. First of all, New Jersey Transit trains the 546 out of Trenton. It's the local. It's due in New York at 7:20. That train's 15 minutes late, and then the Long Island Railroad has 20-minute delays on the Montauk branch. That with equipment problems on alternate side. Is suspended. Experience unmistakable luxury in a 2024 Porsche Macan. Lease for 8.99 a month for 39 months at Ray Catina Porsche in Edison. 5738 due at signing. Qualified buyers 
tax licensing, registration fees, extra details at RayCatinaPorsche.com. I'm Joe Nolan with traffic on Talk Radio 77 WABC. This is Sid on Sports. Sponsored by Peerless Boilers on 77 WABC. First down and goal to go. Play action fake. Right side throw. Touchdown. Kansas City. McCall Hardman. McCall Hardman with the catch on the right side. A three-yard touchdown pass in overtime. Kansas City wins the game. 25-22. And the Chiefs kingdom has started its own history class. Because for the first time in 6,944 days, there is a back-to-back Super Bowl champion, and it is the Kansas City Chiefs, champions of Super Bowl 58 on the heels of Super Bowl 57. There you have it from Las Vegas last night. That clip courtesy of uh, CBS and Sports, sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTechnics.com to find a dealer near you. They're the world's best built of boilers. Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, and Andy Reid have officially made the Kansas City Chiefs a dynasty following their overtime rally to beat the San Francisco 49ers 25-22. to in Super Bowl 58 last night, becoming the NFL's ninth repeat Super Bowl champs with their win in last year's Super Bowl 57 as well. The Chiefs captured their third title in five years, a run that puts them among the league's greatest franchises now, even if they didn't take the most exciting route in getting there last night. The Super Bowl in Las Vegas was a sloppy, mistake-filled affair that was mostly boring until the back-and-forth quarter and uh, fourth quarter, I should say, and overtime. It was the second of 58 Super Bowls to be tied after regulation and the first played under new overtime rules that ensured both teams got the ball. The Chiefs trailed 22-19 to after Jake Moody kicked a 27-yard field goal on the first possession of overtime, but Mahomes rallied the Chiefs, completing another impressive comeback in a rematch of the Super Bowl four years ago. Uh, Mahomes ran for eight yards on fourth and one to keep the Chiefs' chances alive and then scrambled 19 yards to set up the winning score, which came just at the end of that first extra period, just before what would have been the second overtime. Mahomes and Reed are now halfway to Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, who won six championships in 20 years together with the New England Patriots and were the most recent team to go back-to-back following the 2003-2004 seasons. The 28-year-old Mahomes becomes the fourth starting QB to win three Super Bowls, joining Brady, Joe Montana, Terry Bradshaw, and Troy A. Sports sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com to find a dealer near you. They're the world's best built boilers. I'm Justin Ellicott. Oh, I, I, I said Joe Montana. Yeah. Fourth. Okay. I said fourth. And Joe Montana. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Uh, Milker's Best Built Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com. I didn't hear it in you. I'm Justin Ellicott on 77 WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. What you say? Be just a friend. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC.
My man, Michael McDonald, right here, the lead singer, of course, of the Doobie Brothers. And something tells me, like Ray Manzarek of the Doors, Michael McDonald must be celebrating a birthday today. But the man with all that information is my right-hand man, Lou Rafino. Lewis, is that the case? <laughs> that was me. That was him. Very good. Very good. 72 years old. 72? As Michael McDonald. All right. All right. Yeah, it's great. Hey, you know, this uh, snowstorm tomorrow, which um, just never happens, but, you know, one of these days it's going to happen. Tomorrow is that special election between Philip and Swazi. And uh, I'm going to say this. I don't want to upset my dear friend Peter King, who I love like a brother. I do. But if I get one more text from Peter about some Swazi and, um, excuse me, some Philip rally, I'm going to kill myself. I mean, I've had enough. <laughs> Just have this stupid election. At this point, I don't even care if she wins. I'm annoyed by the whole thing. No, actually, I do care. We need the House to be Republican. But, my God, has this election been overkill? Well, Jeez. it's the only one, right? All eyes God, are on this. No, it's overkill, though. It's too much. So it's tomorrow. Is, uh, it is. is the snow going to affect this? You, oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, anytime well, you have well, bad well, weather. Who does a low turnout help or hurt in this case don't know this race is awfully close we do know this a fair amount of people took part in early voting or a little over fifty thousand. but i heard most of those were democrats you know it's uh, i'm sure there's the numbers we could probably figure out uh, if it's democrats or republicans but the republicans are actually really good on long island at getting out the vote so we dismiss that what about queens that could be an issue i don't know well you have uh vicky paladino there she's usually pretty good at getting the vote out so that's and hard Curtis. to know. And yeah. Curtis was over there over the weekend trying to rally the troops. I know yeah. that. She's going to lose. Anyway, uh, I hope not. Believe me, I love her. She's been on this show three times. We need that seat badly. If she does lose, you know who's the happiest guy in the world? Who's that? George Santos. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He's definitely rooting for Swazi. Of course. Yeah. So go out there and vote for Mazi Pillip tomorrow. Let's win this thing and get a classy, beautiful Ethiopian, Israeli, Jewish lady in... Uh, in the house, okay. Um, I did want to talk about this this big event on Saturday, which was just an amazing night. Justin was there, so was Curtis. Like, let me do this. I'm going to play a clip. I think I spoke for about what would you say, Justin? About 15 minutes, maybe less than that. Yeah, I mean, I have the full thing on my phone. About 15 minutes. Here. About 15 minutes. We took a little bit of a, a, a cut here, and uh, this was the very end of the evening. Earlier that night, it was. Tremendous honor, the U.N. ambassador to Israel, Gilad Erdan, presented me after after just um, loading and loading and loading a speech with superlatives directed at me. It was nuts. The U.N. ambassador to Israel did a long speech. He talked about how the U.N. are no good. Talked about that. He talked about uh, basically America giving Israel a hard time. And then he spent about 10 minutes throwing superlatives at me. I was like, I started to cry. <laughs> and then he awarded me with the Guardian of Israel Award. And then after he spoke, Dove Hyken spoke. He was tremendous. Curtis Sliwa. Let me tell you something about Curtis. This guy walked in. He got a standing ovation. I'm not kidding you. They went nuts. It was like Trump. And he had a great speech, Curtis, talking about me also, like Dove did, and the ambassador, and then talking about evangelicals and white Jews at times are their own worst enemies, and he's right. And then a spectacular speech by the Dr. Ira and his wife, Lizzie Savetsky. That was really awesome. Ina Vernikoff, 
She spoke on Saturday, looked great, and made a nice speech, too, thanking me. And then finally, at the end of the night, about four hours later, this was the longest event I've ever been to. In fact, when I started my speech, I said, thank God there's no more musical acts. I'm going to miss the first quarter between the Chiefs and the Niners. It was like midnight. But uh, here's a piece of uh, my speech late Saturday night, Lewis. This is cut number 14. I'm not a hero. The guys that are the heroes are the guys that, as we are sitting here right now, are in a tunnel in Gaza with a gun, not knowing if they'll ever get out. Those are the real heroes, folks, not me. But if I've helped anybody, short of heroic status, but if I've helped anybody make it more clear, bring it home, maybe served as some inspiration, that makes me feel pretty good. It really does. Not that long ago I was talking about how many touchdowns Eli Manning would throw for the Giants and how many points Carmelo Anthony would score for the Knicks. That was my job. That was my job. I'll leave you with this. I, I was on the plane coming home. I don't watch movies on the plane. I don't listen to music. I don't do any of that. I try to sleep as much as I can, to be honest. And that's a long flight. A little too long. <laughs> but I looked at the map quite a bit when I was flying back because I just wanted to see us getting closer and closer to Kennedy Airport, you know. Five hours later, I'm still not by the <laughs> UK. I'm sorry. <laughs> I look at the map, and here's... Israel, like this little dot, you know. And there's like seven other countries around it. And they all hate us. They all want us dead. All of them. And even as I move closer to Europe, you think Germany's our friend? You think the UK is our friend? You think France is our friend? And I said, ha, oh, thank God I'm going home, America. And then I came to the next realization. You think America's our friend? Yes. You do, huh? Yeah. Really? Okay. That's fine. Personally, giving money to Iran, ceasefires, pauses, that's not my friend, okay? Not my yeah. friend at all. Not my friend at all. Yep. In fact, they've helped fund this war. America. Yep. America. Yep. You can bull yourself all you want, but that's a fact. Yep. You fund Iran, you've helped fund this war. My daughter, Ava, yelling, yep, 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 in the background, agreeing with me 100%. But that's what you get. You know, you're in a beautiful shul, Fifth Avenue Synagogue. And I do want to thank Joel Seidenman, Joel Seidenman, for putting this whole thing together. He did a terrific job. Oh, and Miriam, I love you. Miriam Weintraub, who showed up. And her granddaughters and her daughter and her son. I love you, Miriam, listening right now. But you get these, uh, you know, these, these liberal Jews, these stupid bastards, and uh, they're killing us. Inside a very fancy shul, the biggest shul in New York, that vote Democrat every time and try to, this guy yelling in the background, yes, America, they love Israel. Really? Stupid? Do you watch the news? Do you pay attention? Stop watching MSNBC. Stop watching CNN. Stop reading the New York Times and get with it. You are part of the reason why we may be blown up one day, finished, done. I mean, Israel's in big trouble here, big. War in the South, war in Judeo-Sumaria, 150,000 pinpoint missiles up in the north, Hezbollah. They're in trouble. And you got these fat, stupid, wealthy Jews on the Upper East Side who go, yeah, well, America loves us, we're doing great, we love Biden. You realize, Noam, that's part of the problem. Our own people are stupid. 
Do you realize that? No, you're one of them. So. Well, there's a fair amount of our people yeah. that are stupid. I would agree with that. You're yeah, one sure. of them. So. What am I, what Did am you I see, saying? by the way, talking well, about how stupid, yeah. that uh, over the weekend you had Hillary Clinton yeah. and James Carville hmm? saying that they think something's wrong with Joe Biden. Nothing's I mean, wrong that's, with them. that's a big deal that those two would come out and say, hey, I think there's something to this. Oh, no, they said there is something wrong with them. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of people, known to your point, that now believe what I brought up to Bill O'Reilly on Thursday. He shot it down right away. Shot it down right away. And that is, this is a an effort. This is a, a big effort by the Democrats to get rid of him because they have come to the crashing realization he can't beat Trump. He can't beat him. So... You know, the rumors were Biden sat down with Obama, excuse me, Obama came to the White House unannounced about a month ago, told Biden, you're done. Three days after that, Michelle Obama makes an appearance on a podcast. All of a sudden, three weeks after that, the special counsel basically says Biden is too old and dementia riddled to run this country. So there's a lot of folks who think this is a concerted effort by the Democrats to get him out. The problem is, if Obama doesn't run, you got nothing. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and waste my time and your time and talk about a Bobby Kennedy commercial. It's embarrassing. Really, it's embarrassing. I saw it last night. I'm like, come on, man. It's a two-person race. It's Trump and whoever runs against him. But that's uh, that's a conspiracy theory going on out there, Noam, that this is a concerted effort by the Democrats and certainly Hillary Clinton, Barack Obama, James Carville. They would all be part of that machine, yes? Yeah, easily, yeah. They're all buddies. They've known each other for a long time. Yeah. yeah. Who knows? All right, that wraps up a great hour number one. I mean great. Two big guests come your way in hour number two. Curtis Sliwa always does a tremendous job in his slot coming up next. And also the editor of the National Review, the great Rich Lowry. Sliwa and Lowry in the 7 o'clock hour. We'll come back if you know him with the news. Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Entertaining and informative. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC.
happy birthday, Ray Manzarek, the Doors. Hour number two, 7-11, post-Super Bowl Monday morning. If you just woke up or you fell asleep early last night, the Kansas City Chiefs came back late in regulation to tie it. And then in overtime, they came back again down three. Game-winning touchdown pass from Mahomes to the former Jet, Nicole Hardeman, 25-22, your final score. The Chiefs get their fourth ever Super Bowl win. Of course, the most Super Bowl wins for any organization is six. That's the Pats and the Steelers. But Patrick Mahomes gets his third Super Bowl MVP. That, that is, folks, you are watching not just a dynasty, one of the all-time greats, and he ties now Troy Aikman with three Super Bowl wins. Only Joe Montana, Terry Bradshaw, and, of course, Tom Brady have won more. And Andy Reid, also now in rarefied air, winning his third Super Bowl, had a chance to have four. Of course, he lost with the Eagles, but he's got three Super Bowl wins, tying him with Bill Walsh and Joe Gibbs behind just two men, Bill Belichick and Chuck Noll. Believe it or not, Andy Reid has won more Super Bowls than Tom Landry, Don Shula, Bill Parcells, Vince Lombardi. Just amazing. So the Chiefs get the win, and uh, now we get ready for next year. I do want to talk about uh, Saturday night. It was a big night for me. Once again, Joel Seidman, the fine folks at the Fifth Avenue Synagogue gave me this very prestigious Guardian of Israel Award. It was presented to me in very emotional fashion, I must say, by the U.N. Ambassador to Israel, who I love, Gilad Erdan. And there were great speakers, great speakers all night, all heaping praise on me, which I thought was a bit much. I really did. But it was lovely. Dove Heiken, Dr. Ira and Lizzie Savetsky, Ina Vernikoff, the ambassador, like I said, and Curtis, Curtis was outstanding. He walked in, this is true now, to a standing ovation. They went nuts. You would have thought Trump walked in, but I've seen this before. I've been on the subways with Curtis. I've seen how people react. They love him. They don't go like that for Eric Adams. None of those guys. But got a standing ovation, sat next to me and Gabriel all night, and then had a great speech himself talking about, Jewish people talking about me, talking about the evangelicals. And it was uh, it was wonderful that he came here, of course, did his own great show because he hosts Noon to One every weekday afternoon, the Rip and Read overnight weekends. And, of course, next to me about this time every weekday morning. So from the bottom of my heart, I know you had a very busy night. Nancy was out. You had a show to do. Just showing up was enough for me. But your speech, what you said about me on Saturday, Curtis, I'll never forget. Thank you so much. Sid, you deserved it. I had gone 30 straight hours. I'd only had two hours of sleep in between. And I was like, uh, we say, stung God. Uh, and I, I texted you, remember? I saw the New York Post story in honor of you. Yes, a great job. Thank you for mentioning that. Dory Lewak, who wrote this uh, great story, which hit the New York Post on Saturday, the first two people to send it to me, because I, I had no idea it was even in the paper, with Joey Borgen, who's a nice Jewish kid who was beat up by a bunch of uh, Palestinians a couple years ago, and Curtis, and it read, radio host Sid Rosenberg gets wake-up call in Israel and has message for Americans, quote, get your act together, and she did describe me in the very first sentence as radio legend, Sid Rosenberg. But that's not what really jump-started me to show up at the Fifth Avenue uh, Synagogue to pay tribute to you. 
as guardian of uh, Israel and Jews, the new King David II. It said, Sid Rosenberg gone, has gone from Canarsie to the kibbutz. That's true. I started my uh, my yeshiva career, which ended in high school when I was pulled out of Polly Pepper, having too many Italian friends, and did 10th grade through 12th grade at Solomon Schechter at a place called Ocean Primary School in Canarsie. And that's what attracted me because I'm the Canarsie kid. Everybody knows. Curtis Remember Lee, that school, that yeshiva, Ocean Wasn't Primary? that on Seaview Avenue? Yes! That's right, across from the Bayview Projects right near there, St. Jude's. Yes! Oh, yeah. I can't tell you what I and my Supreme Cuisine cousins used to do to those kids when we were growing up. Bitch. Well, you know, <laughs> we, played, we played Frisbee with the Yarmouths. You know, we, we all it. did that. All listen, right. Hey, listen, my guy Bernard, God rest his soul, who died a Zionist, he loves my people, loves yes. Israel. Yes. He used to chase the Hasidim up the trees at bungalow colonies over the summer. Right, in the Irish house <laughs> yeah. next to the Jewish Himalayas where your, yeah. your mother is. Yeah, right outside the oh. Nevely. And your mother would be so proud of you. Oh, she could have been there. Your father in the sky with Hashem looking down. I mean, this crowd, they they appreciated you because you did Alia in a different way. You came from a place where most Jews go, which is to deny their Jewishness, to hide. You know, we've had some very important Jews uh, who've contributed to America but the moment anybody wants to talk to them about being proud Jews, they always try to distract it. No, no, it's not about me being Jewish. Let me tell you something. I think the reason that the people appreciated what you did with your family, the guidance of Danielle and your two beautiful children who were there, is you were like so many other Jews, a Jew in name only. And then October 7th, and every ounce of your energy has been utilized on the most important and strongest radio station in the nation by day and strongest in the world to promote your Jewishness, bring people back to their roots, and most importantly, support Israel once again as they are under attack. And these people were so happy because they deal with so many of their own peeps in their own tribe who are like, no, no, you're Orthodox, stay away from me. What? You are Sinem? You're observant? Get out of here. I don't know. I don't want to be seen with you. And you not only want to be seen with them, you want to alert everyone. The majority of your audience are Gentiles, and they're not all righteous. They're not all righteous, Sid. And it was a very emotional day for me. I'd been out there in Queens, working hard for Mozzie. I made my peace with Chairman Cairo. As you know, contention with Peter King, yeah. with the Queen's GOP, we were hugging each other. Really? I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. Well, verbally, you know. They, nobody wanted to touch me. They said, you have scabies, <laughs> right? right? Dr. Rosenberg yeah. had, and you were right. And by the way, I want to thank uh, uh, Kevin Breslin for introducing me to Dr. Joel Casimir, who's going to end up treating me. I think we got the solution to it. Uh, shout out to Kevin, because I've been in misery. So, oh, it was Kevin? Yes, no kidding. Who lived, you know, son of Jimmy Breslin, who's, who came to the aid of the guardian angels early on when we were under attack. I'll never, I'll never forget that. You know, that. you say that uh, Kevin's a great guy, and we talk uh, often throughout the show. He annoys me with the Kennedy stuff. Otherwise, I love him. Um, you say Saturday was an emotional day. You mentioned Mozzie and, and all the guys on Long Island. That race is coming up tomorrow. But I knew it was during your speech. Um, and you had made mention of him on this show the day before on Friday. But before Friday, 
And in your speech on Saturday night, I've never really heard you talk. And I know your mother, Francesca, I met her, God rest her soul, before she died. But on Friday and Saturday, Curtis, you talked about your father. I'd never heard that before. Yeah, my father, Chester. Polish, Roman Catholic, taught me what the Polish side of my family was saying about Jews was wrong. Because, look, Gentiles have to be honest. Anti-Semitism is spread at the dinner table. I don't want to hear, you know, from the river to this. It started at the dinner table. And people talk to me differently than they talk to you, Sid, because they know I'm not a Jew. And I let them talk, and I, I feel the vibes. And my father, Chester, would sit me down and tell me what my grandfather had told me, Anton, and what his brothers had told me was wrong. It's wrong about the Jews. And that in the town that we came from, Limanova, Every every vestige of the Jews were extracted. Their money was taken. Their buildings were taken. Obviously, the Nazis were in charge. And he goes, my God, don't have uh, courage. You go out there and you preach the truth. You tell them because you're a Polish Roman Catholic. I've been former Grand Marshal of the Pulaski Day Parade. There's nothing more Catholic than that. I'm not blaming the Poles. It's the Nazis and not wanting to eliminate the Jews. And I tell that story everywhere. And, you know, before I came to the Fifth Avenue uh, synagogue, by the way, the head of security, proud guardian angel GQ with me since 1983. Yeah. Hispanic, you know, not yeah. a Jew. Great guy. And you were well represented that night. There were about four or five guardian angels that were there early before you even got there. So thank you for that. Um. All throughout the streets of Queens, they creed more white stone because I believe that's where the election, Mazi versus Swazi, will be decided. I'm sitting down at Ben's Kosher Deli right there, Bay Terrace. Love the place. I, re- I, I used to love the uh, the Ben's Deli. Same owner, by the way, in Boca Raton, but I think that one is gone. Great place. Let me tell you something. I had competed in the matzo ball eating contest. <laughs> And I was excommunicated. They said I was cheating because I squished the matzo ball. Oh, you can't do that. What the hell do I know? I ate meatballs growing up. (laughs) Raul Felder, remember the attorney? He was my, the judge behind me, he he went back to the burning bush in the back room where they (laughs) consulted. They said, Curtis is the Gentile. The Jew, this kid Brock, Steve Brock, who who ate more than me, he wins. He wins. I'm exiled. Now, are you the only person ever? This may be the case, Lois. Curtis Sliwa may be the only person ever to compete in both the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest and the Ben's Deli Matzo Ball Eating Contest. I'd like to say that's true, but it's not. <laughs> you Jews like to nosh, whether it's hot dogs or Nathan's. Yeah. <laughs> they were there, but I would have finished second, and they, they, they exiled me, right? But let me get back to Ben. So I, I'm ordering because I was so starved. I hadn't eaten all day. And for me, it, it was so that that bowl, oh, my God, that bowl of mushroom barley soup with Jewish rye bread. Oh, it so sticks good. to your ribs. So and then some of the Altacacas come up to me, you know, uh, former members of the UFT, actually still members but retired Jews. You know, Curtis, Mazi is too Jewish. You know, this Ethiopian Jewish thing, IDF. What? When she was in the debate with Swazi, she had the red, uh, you know, dress on with the big star of David. What? And, and and she doesn't campaign on the Sabbath. And I pull them aside because, look, I've heard this from a lot of Jews. You're too Jewish. You heard that? Yes. Too Jewish too from Jewish. Jews? Well, remember, they're not. 
they're not observant Jews. You know, they'll eat a Ben's kosher deli because yeah. it's great food. Yeah. And I said, remember Joe Lieberman? He ran for vice president. It would have been the first Jewish vice president, maybe potentially president. He came that close. Was it was it Mondale he was with? Yeah, no, 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 no. He was with Gore. Remember oh, in that oh, contentious right. election? Right. Gore Bush. Right. Eight weeks later, it was determined by the Supreme Court. He would have been, you know, Democrats would come to me and say, that was a mistake. Gore chooses Joe Lieberman, who observed the Sabbath. Because he couldn't campaign on the Sabbath, it reminded people, he's a Jew. I'm not going to vote for a Jew. And, and I said that, you know, they did that against Joe Lieberman, who I love. He came to the defense of the Guardian Angels when we were in New Haven, and the government didn't want us. Joe lives there with his wife. No, no, no. The Guardian Angels are great. And they listened to me, and they said, uh, it stopped. And, you know, for a Jew to stop talking, my takes a lot. Reminded you, you're a Jew first before you're anybody. I'm telling them on the side, I didn't want to embarrass them. But I came with that anger to the Fifth Avenue Synagogue. And it, when all was said and done, I reminded everybody there, you have only yourselves to depend on. History tells you that from the river to the sea, and you have some of your own people out there, self-hating Jews who should impale themselves with a menorah. <laughs> and then I said, your best supporters, the evangelicals, as I said over and over again, because when I was in Israel after the Second Intifada, when nobody would go, the only ones I met that were from America were the evangelicals, and we had conversations. And I said, why the passion for Israel? And they say, because we cannot understand the New Testament until you fully evolve yourself into the Old Testament. I said, they're absolutely right. Oh, my God, do they support the state of Israel. So that's why it's Israel battles for its survivals, and some Jews run from their Jewishness. Like, uh, no, I'm not really, I'm not one of them. Yeah, well, guess what? It's in our freaking DNA, the Gentiles. Remember what I said? It's in our DNA. You can't run. You can't hide. You can't homogenize. You can't assimilate because we'll always know you're a Jew. Our radar knows who's a Jew and who's not a Jew. Gentiles have criticized me always for saying that. But I even feel it sometimes. It's part of my heritage. And we have to evolve away from that. We have to dissolve from it. But if Jews don't lead the example and fight for Jews, you know what some Gentiles say when they see that? You see their own people don't even support them. And imagine the people who support the state of Israel the most are the evangelicals. Wake up, Jews. You'll always be a Jew from birth to death, and you might cosmetically cover it up. You might want to look like a watch. You might want to assimilate. That's fine. But to us, you're always a Jew. So fight for Jews, because in Israel, it's not Texas tough. It's Israeli tough. Oh,
Hi, I'm Mark Levin. Some people call me the great one. Some people call me the great big one, depending on how much I weigh. But I want to say this. It is a tremendous honor to be able to speak to you on behalf of my dear friend. I feel like he's my brother. Sid is a leading light. Sid is one of the most patriotic people I know, and in two countries, the United States and Israel. If I were in a foxhole, I would have once Sid there with me. Sid and I text all the time now, and it's the same subject, Judaism and Israel, what we're up against, how we fight this, what we need to say, we share each other's information, and so forth and so on. Sid understands that he has been blessed with a huge platform. It's one of the biggest radio people in all of New York City. And he knows this, and he uses it for good. He uses it for God and country, and he uses it to defend the great state of Israel. It is an honor, an honor to stand shoulder to shoulder with my friend Sid, even though he's a little shorter. It's more like shoulder to stomach, but it doesn't matter. He's a big man with a big heart, and it is my great honor to be able to thank you people for this honor, well-deserved, and Sid, I want to thank you for all that you do during these very dark and grave times. God bless all of you folks here. God bless Sid. God bless America. And God bless Israel. I wandered around and nothing more than time on my that's my man, Mark Levin, right there. You can listen to Mark every weeknight on this station, right after Katz and Cosby, 6 to 9, right before Bill O'Reilly. We just heard from moments ago. Thank you, Mark Levin. That was beautiful. He prepared that piece, play at the Fifth Avenue Synagogue on Saturday night. Hey, uh, Noah, before I get to Rich Lowry coming up next, and a host of others, John Katzmatidi, Steve Bannon, Joe Beningo, and more, you know, Bernie used to make fun of me because, well, for a lot of reasons, <laughs> Bernie was a funny guy. But he um, he found it funny because of my whole church thing, you know. So Wednesday is Valentine's Day, but as I found out last week, I was wrong initially because of my friend Olga. This Wednesday is Ash Wednesday. So I'm going to go over to St. Patrick's Cathedral. In fact, I think Monsignor Casado will join us on Wednesday in anticipation of, uh, anticipation of that great day. But... um. On Sundays, you know, I I, um, I can't watch the, the news shows anymore because they're all biased, agenda-driven dick faces, all of them. <laughs> okay. I think you're right about that, by the Margaret way. Margaret Brennan, awful, face the nation. George Stephanopoulos, awful, ABC. Now, nobody worse than Kristen Walker. She makes Chuck Todd look like a Republican on NBC. And I don't watch Fox. I guess Shadow Bream is okay. I don't know, Maria. I don't know. But it's hard to watch. It's depressing. So I would often watch, a lot, Joel Osteen. (laughs) Joel, who loves Jesus, 
came to Brooklyn, in fact, one time in WABC. This is before Katzmatidis owned it. It was still Cumulus. Got tickets. He was at the Barclays Center. <laughs> he wanted to meet me backstage because he had heard that I was talking up his show so much. And as it turned out, not only did I not go backstage, I never showed up for the night. I was tired. Don't worry about it. Okay. So I've been a big fan of Osteen for years, but something tragic happened at his church in Houston yesterday, yes? Yeah, this woman walks into his chapel in Houston, his mega church, and she pulls out a long-range gun. She starts firing away. Come on. No. A and, woman. Yeah, and thank God she had like a backpack. that not clear what was in that backpack. Thank God two uh, off-duty cops are in the church, and they return fire, and they're able to take her down. She wasn't shot, but a five-year-old that she walked in with, and we don't know the connection yet, he was critically injured by a bullet. Oh, my God. Um, but if those cops hadn't been there to take her out, you know, no. basically tackle her and take the gun away, who no. knows what would have happened. So those guys are real heroes. What she was up to, what her motivation was, we don't know yet. Wow. Okay, which Lowry is coming up next. Thank you, Norm, as always. Then, as I said, 8 o'clock hour, Katz and Bannon, Beningo in the 9 o'clock hour. Oi. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Seventy-seven WABC. One thing about the Charlottesville that 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 I ranted about. Yes, and I was wrong about the both sides thing. No, because he said the, the both sides. You know, there's good people on both sides, and when you see the full quote, yeah, yeah, it, that wasn't what what he said. And 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 you know, I I ranted on him hard for that. Mm -hmm. Hard. There's some video about it. Whatever. Yeah. I mean, I ranted hard because I was like, what are you talking about, man? <laughs> That's my boy, actor Michael Rappaport, who is, he hasn't done a complete 180 on Trump yet. Still calls him pig dick, which I could do without. That's fine. But he admitted on a podcast this week that he he was wrong in going after Trump about the Charlottesville critique, which the media still does, these liars. You know that, right? Oh, Trump said there's good people on both sides. He did say that. You're right. But you know what he said right after that, that you guys very conveniently leave out? He said, and I quote, except the Nazis. But the only people that admit that he said that are Jake Tapper, who's still an a-hole, but at least in this case, he's right. And now Rappaport. In that same podcast, Rappaport said, I could never vote for Biden. I could never vote for Harris. He said, if I vote for anyone, it'll be Trump. But right now I'm considering staying home. My next guest is the editor of the National Review. You read his stuff often in the New York Post. It gets syndicated all across the country. He's been on NBC a million times. He writes for Politico. He does it all. My dear friend, Rich Lowry. Rich, good morning, buddy. How are you? Good. So this is why my rule is that you got to actually watch every Trump outrage yourself because the media will just lie about it, distort it, become legend, be accepted as fact. I mean, Joe Biden says he ran for president because of what Trump said about Charlottesville. Right. And, and you got to see it for yourself. It's also why you really can't believe any of the stories about things that are said behind the scenes. Maybe they're right, but they could be completely fabricated. And if they make up stuff about things that are on the record – how are you going to trust them on stuff that's private? I mean, come on. They, they leave out stuff that Trump says all the time in an effort to to present their biased case. My wife and daughter had a fight about that exact comment just a week ago. And I said, guys, mm -hmm. guys, he said except the Nazis. Biden 
He's on tape, man. He, he's on tape confusing Mitterrand with Macron. He's on tape, you know, confusing a dead yeah. German chancellor with a living German chancellor. He's on tape last week talking about the Mexican president instead of the Egyptian president. But I will tell you this, Rich, before I get annoyed. There was a poll taken this weekend. 86% of the people in the poll think Biden is too old to be president based upon the special counsel's report. I'm going to say this. I think it has little to do with age. I mean, some of it, yes. There's no question. He may be in the, in the middle stages of dementia. No question. But, but, what about the fact that his family took money from our enemies yep. for years? What about what he's doing to Bibi Netanyahu and Israel? That's not about age. He is just yep. a crooked, corrupt son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Who happens to be old? Yeah, amen. I'm, I'm totally with you. But obviously, you know, we've had uh, the report underline the age thing in a major way, and no one's credibly denied. Oh no, that he knew those dates. <laughs> you know, and that's why I think the, the the killer question at that brief press conference he held should have been all right when were you vice president there's no way he knows no he way he would not be able to summon those no. those years so 86 you know that's higher it was, it was around 75 76 could go higher than that and uh, i think you know we've talked about this a lot i still think they're just just stuck with them unless he makes a decision himself which he's never going to do that he wants to go there's no there's no way to leverage him out of office well, no, there's a million, there are a million ways to leverage him out, and uh, I disagree with you there. And, and it goes back to, you know, Donald Trump said it this weekend, too, what I've been saying for a while, which is don't confuse the issue. Barack Obama still runs this country, not Joe Biden. And uh, Biden takes his orders from Barack. And if Obama goes to that White House again and says go home, Biden's going to go home. I firmly 1,000 uh, percent think that is going to be the case. But I will say this until he does, the most evil person in the world today Evil, right there with Vladimir Putin. How about that? Or Jill even Biden. Jill Biden? Yes. What a selfish, <laughs> See, the, disgusting lady, right? Said, I know you. Yeah. Well, she. I mean, she could tell him that. She. I mean, she sees what's going on more than anyone else, right? And and she. She's not president, you know, but she's first lady and she loves it. But they just last year they just said, Joe, you're not not up for it. You know, let's have a primary and the party will sort it out. And you've had a good term, you know, but by their standards and let it go. But they wouldn't do that. And they're gonna they're gonna you know cause a. a they could lose the election easily. And if if they don't, it's going to be a major crisis because he's either going to be incapacitated or die in office. I was annoyed yesterday when I saw the Bobby Kennedy commercial. I mean, it's America. You can do what you want. You want to run. You got money. You want to spend millions of dollars on a commercial. Go ahead. But I've got buddies who even try to feed me this Kennedy nonsense. See, Rich, you've got to know me well over the years. I don't like wasting time. Mm-hmm. I felt like I felt like even talking about That's why the Santa primaries. Right. Seriously. I, I, how many months did I say stop wasting my time with DeSantis with yeah, Haley? We might as well go straight to Michelle Obama on the Democratic side and straight to Trump. And then, then we haven't wasted any time. Because that's how it's going to be. <laughs> I mean, you know, you're going to have sports talk stations today waste their time talking about, well, Shanahan made the wrong move by taking the ball mm-hmm. in overtime, blah, blah, blah. Waste we of know, time. Right? All you need to know is yeah. Reed and Mahomes won again. That's it. The rest is just yeah. nonsense. Same thing with this. Don't show me Kennedy. Don't show. It's either going to be Trump beats Biden or Michelle Obama and Trump go to the wire. That's it. <laughs> right? It was a good ad, I have to say. And just played on the name, you know. That, that, that's, that's the thing that's um, boosting him. You know, the polls point quite 
and right now it's pretty strong. It's not going to hold up, but it's just based on that name. And he just played to that name and played to the nostalgia. And if you're an uninformed person, you wouldn't think this is kind of a, a progressive nut job. You'd say, oh, you know, it's, a, it's another Kennedy. <laughs> what could be wrong with that? When was the last time the Kennedys got any respect? I'm, I don't, I don't get it. I mean, um, I'm, I'm not really with you on that one. You got to go back to the dead president. I mean, his uncle. People made fun of him for years for Mary Jo Kopechny. His nephews yeah. and nieces got all kinds of trouble in Palm Beach. I mean, when was the last time, honestly, the name Kennedy carried any respect? You know, I think there's still a lot of nostalgia out there, especially kind of among soft, the middle or soft Democrats. Um, but it was, I give him credit. It was a clever, clever ad. So to, to no. waste, waste time talking about the Super Bowl a little bit, greatest ever? The game? Yeah. Oh, God, no. Great game. I mean, look, I, again, people said boring. I, I don't, I don't want to boring. Uh, any game that comes down to the wire that's close, there was never more than a 10 point lead for either team. They won the game in overtime. Great, great game. A lot of drama, but I can't give it the best ever. No, that I can't do. Uh, it was, I thought it was a, a thrilling. It was. A thrilling game. It was. And the NFL gets credit for, by the way, finally getting an overtime rule, at least in the postseason, that makes sense. Yes. It's not all dependent yes. on the coin toss. I agree. And someone pointed out, he, the um, the 49ers went by the the rule. They, they took the coin toss based on the rule that you win, you know, win automatically when you get a touchdown. Basically. Right. Why would you want to go first, right? Right. No, that, <laughs> when that, you want to know what the score right, is. That's why, is and, that's why I said a lot of sports talk stations today are going to go on and on and on about how Shanahan lost the game because of that decision where the 49ers get the ball first, they kick a field goal, Chiefs score a touchdown, you lose. Maybe he didn't know the rules. If he did, it was a silly decision, no doubt. But I'm always cautious to blame the coach for losing mm-hmm. the game. What about the defense stopping Mahomes? Right. He had to go 75 right. yards, you know. But yeah. at any rate, um, there was one thing about the Super Bowl that really did annoy the hell out of me, and it wasn't Reba McIntyre, and it wasn't uh, Post Malone, and it wasn't even Taylor Swift. I mean, I'm just I'm used to her. It's annoying, but it is what it is. It was a lot. There was a lot of Taylor Swift. A lot of Taylor I, Swift. I, yeah. I don't mind. I'm not a Taylor Swift hater, but it was a lot. Too much, too much. But the one thing that annoyed me, and I was happy to read this morning, annoyed a lot of Americans outside of about three black guys clapping in the audience. The NFL choosing to do this black national anthem is so damn racist. There's no white anthem. The Star Spangled Banner is for every American. It's for whites. It's for blacks. It's for Asians and Native Americans. Why do black people get a national anthem of their own? You actually, they went to the crowd. They panned the crowd. You saw white people rolling their eyes. How does Roger Goodell do that? That's racist. Every year, don't they? That's racist. Done it before. I know, but it's racist. Yeah, no, yeah. Where's the Latino national anthem, the Asian American national anthem? I, I'm totally with you. It, it makes makes zero sense. Plus, you still have the, you know, the George Ford Floyd leftover. This end racism logo. Enough of that in too. The, uh, Enough of that too. the end zone. Please. I mean, it's kind of become background noise, but it's still ridiculous. It's still pandering and nonsense. On the way out, Donald Trump actually uh, did this on uh, Truth Social last night. He says, "I signed and was responsible." Talking about Taylor Swift for the Music Modernization Act for. Taylor Swift and all of the musical artists. Joe Biden didn't do anything for Taylor and never will. There's no way she could endorse crooked Joe Biden, the worst and most corrupt president in the history of our country, and be disloyal to the man who made her so much money. Besides that, I do like our boyfriend Travis, even though he may be a liberal white trash and probably can't stand me. Signed, Donald Trump. One <laughs> thirty like in the morning. Yeah, probably so. I mean, yeah, something like that. Yes. Working the ref, working Taylor. You know, we, we, the, the election hinges on her clearly. <laughs>
<laughs> so what do you think this morning? Who's uh, the next president of the United States as of this morning? Donald Trump. Donald Trump. Yeah. Yeah. And what could be the, the thing to derail that? Well, the the economy, you know, and also I think the the age thing is a bit of an X factor. We don't really know. We know everyone doesn't think he's he's up for it, but it may be that people think, well, I'm going to vote for him anyway because I hate the other guy so much, sort of like what they did in Pennsylvania with, with John Fetterman. So that's a big polling X factor. And the other big polling X factor is the polling that shows Trump tanking if he's convicted, which I, I don't rely on. You know, I kind of doubt that's going to happen. But big events like that, you need to know. They need to happen. And then you see how people are react. So I still think, you know, it's it's going to be a close race and the economy is improving. If that continues to, to uh, uh, happen, you know, that's good, good for Biden. So it, it'll be it'll be big, big, big factors. You know, Taylor Swift isn't going to decide it. No. Uh, Kennedy is not going to decide it. No. No. <laughs> Final 30 seconds. Uh, any feel on this big election tomorrow between Philip and Swazi? I don't. I, I rely on you. What, what's what's your call? I'm afraid to say it because I'm a Philip enthusiast. She's been on this show three times, yeah. and I love Peter King, and I love Joe Cairo, and I love Vicky Palladino, and I love Curtis Sliwa. But my fear is, my prediction is, she loses in a very close race. Mm-hmm. I hope I'm yeah. wrong. I need the seat. <laughs> I need right. the She's seat. Been a little bit ahead, right? Yeah. In yeah. the polling. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, another yeah. great appearance, which uh, Lowry. Thanks so much. Have a great week. You too, buddy. There he is, the editor of the National Review, political NBC, all of it. My dear friend, which Lowry. By the way, I'm saying I think Philip loses in a very, very tight race, which is the last thing I want. I need the House seat as a Republican. So what that should do for you guys is, if you're considering not going out to vote, heed my warning. I don't care if it's snowing, it's going to snow tomorrow. It is. The weather's going to be miserable. Snow, rain, all of that. Don't let anything deter you from voting for a Republican before we lose the House, too. Go out tomorrow and vote for Mozzie Pillow. In the morning. For my friends. 77 WABC. First down and goal to go. Play action fake. Right side throw. Touchdown. Kansas City. McCall Hardman. McCall Hardman with the catch on the right side. A three-yard touchdown pass in overtime. Kansas City wins the game. 25-22. Chiefs Kingdom has started its own history class because for the first time in 6,944 days, there is a back-to-back Super Bowl champion, and it is the Cavs.
Kansas City Chiefs, champions of Super Bowl 58, on the heels of Super Bowl 57. like the win. The Chiefs are your Super Bowl champs, as Justin pointed out earlier, the first repeat champs since those Patriot teams who beat Carolina in Super Bowl 38 and Philadelphia in Super Bowl 39 20 years ago. They become the ninth team to win back-to-back Super Bowls. Don't forget it all started Super Bowl 1 and 2 with the Green Bay Packers and Bart Starr and Vince Lombardi winning both of those. But uh, history in the making here for Kansas City, as Justin pointed out, Patrick Mahomes becoming just the fourth quarterback to win at least three Super Bowls. Troy won three in Dallas. Bradshaw won four in Pittsburgh. And, of course, Brady won seven. Mahomes, though, was only 28 years old. Andy Reid, now third all-time on the coaching list of Super Bowl wins with three. He's tied with Joe Gibbs and Bill Walsh, one behind Chuck Knoll and three behind Bill Belichick. And as a team, Kansas City ties the Packers and my Giants with four Super Bowl wins, one behind the Cowboys and Niners. They've won five, and two behind the Patriots and the Steelers. They've won six. So a real dynasty history in the making. And uh, like I said, on FAN this morning, Beningo will join me coming up at 9.15. Niner fans are yelling, scream, that Shanahan cost them the game because he elected to go on offense, not defense in overtime. And they'll talk about all the silly minutia that has a guy like Boomer Esiason at halftime last night on the NFL Today, doing the show with no voice. I mean, stupid. Odd. Bunch of old men. That, that show looks bad. I'm sorry. I love all those guys. You know I love Phil. But uh, you got J.J. Watt. He's a young guy. Burleson, he's a young guy. But they're just old. James Brown does a good job. But you're just kind of old. Why does uh, Lady Gaga wear that stupid eye makeup when she's sitting at the game? She's not even performing. She hasn't done a Super Bowl halftime show since 2017. Why is Gaga sitting in the stands wearing that stupid eye makeup, Lou? I guess so she can be seen and they know it's her. Oh, enough of that. It's too bad. I, she's, she is very talented. I love her, though. Yeah, she's fine. Okay. No, she's great. She's actually great. You're right. Yeah. She was. Uh, there was a run there where white people actually did the halftime show. Between, like, 2017 and 2020, you had Gaga. You had uh, Justin Timberlake. You had uh, Maroon 5, and then I think Jay-Z took over, and now it's all black people. That's it. You did have Eminem a couple of years ago, but he was with four black people. No, that didn't count. Right. You had Snoop Dogg that year, and uh, yeah, I was who was the other one? Uh, the really famous uh, uh, rapper. 50 Cent? Was no, it wasn't 50 that year. I don't remember. It doesn't matter. Just Kendrick Lamar, maybe? Yeah, he was part of it. Oh. Yeah. But, I mean, I was telling Lou, early 2000, you were on a roll. 
with know, white people. Yeah, well, yes. <laughs> yeah. There's no more white people. That's it. We sing black national anthems. Yeah, we put end racism you know. in the end zone. Yeah. Only black people perform at halftime. Yeah. Even commercials today. I mean, Dunkin' Donuts, if not for them, because they had Tom Brady and Ben Affleck and Matt Damon and J-Lo, almost every commercial you see today has more black people than white people. Mm-hmm. I understand things weren't perfect. So you had to make some changes. But why go 180 the other way? Why? Stop singing the black national anthem. It's racist. It is. It's racist. Anyway, my next guest owns this radio station. He does two great shows every weekday at 5 o'clock, Cats and Cosby with Rita Cosby. And his Sunday morning show is amazing, 8 a.m., the Cats Roundtable. He's my man, my dear, dear friend, John Katz-Matidis. John, good post-Monday morning Super Bowl. How are you, buddy? Hello. Monday morning, everybody's always tired from Super Bowl from the day before. <laughs> yeah, I know. You know, I was, I was curious. Your stores in the city, Gristidi's, D'Agostino's, I know, for example, you know, we, we don't have big Super Bowl parties anymore, John. It's basically me, Danielle, and the kids. But there was a, a good 20-year stretch where we went to or or even hosted big parties and would go shopping and spend a fortune. Do your stores do well, Super Bowl weekend? Uh, we get wiped out of... Uh... A lot of beer. We get wiped out of a lot of uh, all the potato chips are gone and all, all the, uh, you know, snacks. I mean, nobody wants to uh, be cooking a lot during Super Bowl. They just want snacks. And um, I'll tell you, I mean, uh, uh, it started off, the game started off very slow. Yes. Boy. <laughs> it was one of the best games I've ever saw by the end. That's exactly right. That's the best analysis right there. It was slow, almost boring, 10 nothing late second quarter. And to John's point, overtime, very exciting finish. I could not agree more. John, you know, while we're talking about your stores and the uh, Super Bowl sales you guys had for, uh, for Super Bowl Sunday, I'm reading that uh, at least they're trying some legislation, a bunch of things, to um, stop these uh, people from shoplifting, which has become a huge issue. You've dealt with that now for a couple of years at Gristidi's. Where is that part of your business, the shoplifters? It is a major problem. Uh, it is, uh, you know, look, Rite Aid closed up. CVS has everything locked up. Dwayne Reed and and, and uh, Wegmans has everything locked up. And I had the, uh, uh, the assemblywoman from the east side, a very nice lady, on the, on the show uh, on uh, Sunday morning, and she says to me, everything is under control, crime is down. So, you know, I said to her, with all respect, because I, I love her dearly, she's a very nice lady, I said, have you interviewed your constituents lately? <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it, it's crazy. After dark at night in the Upper uh, East Side, you lived on the Upper West Side, and uh, after dark, people are scared to walk around. Employees are scared to work. Uh, the restaurants, uh, they're doing business because uh, uh, people are taking Ubers door to door, from right. their doorstep to the, to the doorstep. I mean, the, the restaurant is three blocks away. I take an <laughs> Uber door to door. That does it, tell you. It, it is crazy. <laughs> yeah. But what, it, what this tells you, because I think she was sincere, what this tells you is our politicians don't know what the heck is going on in the streets and how the people are really feeling about it. It's There's got to be a reality check. 
Well, listen, it didn't start with her, though. This is um, a man, John Katsimatidis, who's now going to join us every week at this time. I, I employed John. That's it. You're in every week, just like Bill O'Reilly, just like you know, all the rest of the guests we have all week long. Peter King and Takapina, now you're on every week. But it comes I, I from... Get an extra, I get an extra cup of coffee at the end of the week. <laughs> no, no. I get Anthony's, I get Anthony's uh, pizza. Oh, I love the Grimaldi's pizza on Fridays. That is a great deal. Anthony! Ah, he's the best, Anthony. But it comes from the mayor because just last week, John, just last week, Eric Adams was boasting that crime is down and tourism is up because he was trying to make an argument that you can still go into Times Square even though they beat up the cops. Look, I I like Eric as much as you like Eric. He he wants to do a good job. I really believe he wants to do a good job. (laughs) But... I, I said to the assemblywoman, because I had her on on, on uh, Sunday, <clears throat> I said to her, interview the, the, the local police officers. I mean, they're not making the arrests, Ed, and you know that. That's right. They're not making the arrests because That's right. by the time they make the arrest, they're still filling out the paperwork. They're still filling out the paperwork, and, 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 the, and the criminals go home. And, and don't forget that the... Uh, 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 the criminals that went home after beating up the cops gave everybody the finger yep. as the cops were filling out the paperwork Correct. as they were leave, uh, going home. Yep. I mean, it, it's out of control, guys. It's out of control. Yep. That's what I tell people. It's out of control. I love New York. I want New York to make it. And uh, everybody has to speak up. And now it comes to the race. You know, we got uh, what's going to make a difference. You have Mazi versus Wazi. Mazi stands for uh, to, to control our borders where all these people are coming in, because a lot of these crimes now are even done by them. And Swazi doesn't. So this is a true test. Tomorrow night, we will know if people are getting the signal of Mazi versus Swazi yep. Yep. that do we want border control? By the way, you you were at the synagogue. Curtis came with you. And I went to Staten Island. Vito had the Vito Fasello, the borough president, had a had a great party. Uh, uh, not a party, but uh, a, a state of the borough message. It was wonderful. I'm going to get a copy of the video and put it on WABC website. And everybody says to me, "Where's Curtis? <laughs> Curtis came. Curtis came with you." Instead of yeah. coming with me. How about that? He, he's no dummy. Okay. <laughs> Uh-oh, he's I in trouble. I let you know that. Yeah, he's in trouble. Curtis, you better be ready for the fifth floor today. <laughs> no, listen, folks, Sella's great, and um, that was uh, that's a big deal, what happened on Saturday. But uh, Curtis has been a good friend of the Jews, as you have, John. Look, I mean, all you guys, and we talk about this all the time. It's easy for me because I'm Jewish, but when somebody who's not Jewish whether it's a John and Margot Katsimatidis, a Chad Lopez, a Curtis Sliwa, steps up for my people, it means an awful lot. And that's where I want to go to the President of the United States. Now, look, here's the deal. You are a very respectful man. You're opinionated, yes, and you're brilliant, but you're respectful. I'm not. I don't care. If I don't like you, you're going to hear it. You're not going to be that way. So this uh, craziness about respecting the office, I stopped respecting the office many years ago because I believe people abuse their power. And when they do that, I lose respect for the office. 
And that's what Biden has done to me. Yes, he's too old, that's true, but he also makes some really, really bad decisions. And he may be, maybe part of a criminal crime family. So the old thing is starting to bother me. What are your thoughts on what the special counsel said about Joe Biden last week? Well, I, I think there's uh, where there's smoke, this fire. Uh, I, I think Joe, uh, President Biden has crossed the line in many, many ways. And uh, uh, maybe because, uh, let's put it the nicest way we can put it, uh, because his son got <coughs> bribes or his son got, uh, uh, they bought paintings from him or whatever. But this is millions and millions of dollars. And being that it's his only son now, that he couldn't say no to his son and wanted his son to be successful. But at that point, his son is being successful with millions and millions of dollars, but it's costing the United States of America trillions of dollars. Agreed. So uh, on the way out, I asked Bill O'Reilly a question last week that I've asked you on this show before, John. And you've been very honest about this, and you even touched on it earlier in this conversation when you said, I love New York, and uh, I'm aware of all the problems, and they shoplift in my stores, and they, you know, you can't even walk outside in my neighborhood, which is a very nice neighborhood. You're aware of all that. But I asked you, weeks ago, would you and Margo ever leave? I asked Bill O'Reilly on Thursday because he was complaining about Manhasset, complaining about Long Island. I said, would you ever leave? And he said, no. He goes, I've got a place in Montauk. I go on vacation when I have to, but I'm a New Yorker. So Bill O'Reilly said the same thing you did. You are still steadfast in that you'll never leave, yes? Uh, I don't want to leave. I don't think I'll ever leave. Uh Uh-oh. But, uh, you know, I love Uh my beach house in Long Island. uh, And I love my apartment uh, on Fifth Avenue. Um, I'm not leaving. You're not leaving. Let's try. Sit. Let's all work together to help make a change. Right. Don't leave. You got to fight. Right, John? That's it. You know, hey, there's 2,800 crooks or 3,300 crooks that are, that are causing this. Repeat criminals. You know, the, the police commissioners have all told us there's 3,300 police com- repeat criminals that are doing this. If we put them away in Rikers, why, why is our politicians protecting the criminals instead of protecting the citizens? I got tears in my eyes, I'm telling you. Uh, it's really that simple, too. How John just put it, just over 3,000 people. That's it. Not 30,000, not 300,000, not 3 million. Just over 3,000 people basically, basically have turned this city into a hellhole. How does that make any sense? How? How? It doesn't. It makes no sense. No yeah. sense at all. Yep. Hey, John, I love you, man. Thank you for doing this. We'll do this every Take Monday. Care. Thank you, John. Right. My man, right. there he is, John Katsimatidis, host of Cats and Cosby, 5 p.m. every weekday afternoon here on WABC. And, of course, Cats Roundtable. That's a great show, 8 a.m. every Sunday morning. We'll take a, a short break. Lots more to do. Steve Bannon will be here. WFAN legend Joe Beningo. Chiefs win another Super Bowl. Super Bowl Monday with me, Sid Rosenberg, right here on WABC.
This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Seventy-seven WABC. Sid is among the most important defenders of Israel and the Jewish people today, and his defense could not come at a more appropriate time and in a more appropriate setting. Sid's audience, and he's so effective with his audience, are ordinary folks, everyday folks. They're not the fancy academics. Uh, They're not necessarily the members of Congress. They're the voters. They're people, many of them, with open minds. And they're people who don't know a lot about the Middle East. His recent trip to the Middle East was so educational and so informative to so many people. I just wanted to send the message of how important it is for Sid to keep doing what he's been doing on behalf of Israel and the Jewish people. Mazel tov, Sid. There to Alan Dershowitz again. I played the Mark. I played the Mark Levin cut Rodeo Lewis did actually. Thank you, Alan Dershowitz. That was for Saturday night's big event at the Fifth Avenue Synagogue, where once again the UN ambassador to Israel, Gilad Erdan, presented me with the very prestigious and coveted Guardian of Israel Award. Big night put forth by Joel Seidman. I met his lovely wife and his lovely daughter. Great people. And a special thanks to Dove and Shani Hyken. Dove had a great speech. Rabbi Heshi and Mimi Bloomstein out of Vudmir. Great seeing those two lovely people. Dr. Ira and Lizzie Savetsky, they both spoke, and they were both terrific. They really were. Uh, Ina Vernikov, the great council lady out of Brooklyn, she spoke. She was amazing. Curtis Sliwa, come on, Curtis. He was outstanding. He really was. Also, special thanks to Justin Ellick who showed up to support me that night. Justin, I love you. Our dear friends, uh, Mike and Donna Sullivan, they were there that night. That was a big deal. Scott, you met Scott from uh, One Israel Fund, folks. They're the the organization that really paved the way for us to go to Israel. Scott and his wife, lovely people. And uh, Stewie Honigman was there. Yehuda Honigman and the three brothers. His uh, mother and father were there, too. It was a wonderful night. My kids were there. Danielle was there. Obviously, Ava and Gabe and Miriam Weintraub. How great was that, uh, Justin? Yeah. Wow. That's our biggest fan right there, that lady. (laughs) Seriously, though. Her son, her daughter, her grandchildren, uh, they were all there. So all in all, it was was really a spectacular night. It really was. And um, I cried, I think, more than once. You cried uh, basically the entire time. The only time you weren't crying was when that comedian was on stage. He was a la- I did cry. Were, I cried from laughter. You were banging. You almost broke the tape. I know. He was. What was that guy's name? He was outstanding. Even was Curtis great. loved him. Yeah. He, he was, was unbelievable. Great. He was very funny. 
But when you when you say I was crying the whole night, I mean it was it was a it was a bit much. I mean everybody yeah. from the ambassador spent like five minutes telling the world how great I am. Yeah, and it, listen, I mean for me and you, obviously it's it, 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 it's going to get uncomfortable to us, you know, when it gets to a certain point. <laughs> yeah, but uh, but you know, I it was mean, nice. I, I, everybody meant every word. No, they did. They were very sincere. It was a lovely night. No, you should have been. Why weren't you there, No, What were you doing God, on Saturday? Damn it, no. Well, I was very busy on Saturday. You did nothing. I was no, I was terribly busy doing things on Saturday. But what did you do? Give you me did, one example. I, I would have come. You didn't invite me. Well, that may be true. I don't think I did invite no, you. No, you didn't. I would have been. No. There. Maybe it was my fault then. Was Lou there? No, Lou didn't want to come. No, no I I wasn't invited again. Like no, you, you know. weren't. No, no, no. 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 Okay. You were Alec, Alec. I, revisionist history. I'm I will replay what you did. I was. I remember you said, "Hey, do you want to come?" Yes. To this, right? And then you went like this. No, nah, this. You don't want to come because it's all. <laughs> no, 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 no
Don't worry, it's going to be all over the newsroom soon. He's going to have you print them up and put them up oh, on the yeah. wall. Let me say for a third time, radio legend Sid Rosenberg has gone from Canarsie to the kibbutz in his first visit to Israel and has a message for Americans, quote, Get your act together. He's going to talk about uh, my Beamy Booker Brooklyn native, WABC, Sid and Friends in the Morning, the horrors of October 7th, the Arab guy in the Arab court is telling me to shut the F up, and me basically telling him, go F yourself. All these are the close call in the bomb shelter just in that morning when the bomb went off and scared the daylights out of Ava and Gabriel. All that stuff is in there. It's a great story. Thank you, Dory Lewak. But it is Monday. You know what that means? A great segment with Steve Bannon about to come your way. 77 WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. We saved America from yet another horrific Biden betrayal. I don't think he knows what the hell he's doing anyway, so. I always say by the people that surround him or by sometimes I'll interchange. I'll say by Barack Hussein Obama. But every time I say that, the fake news, oh, that's a lot of fake news back there. The fake news. Every time I say it, any time I want to be, have a little fun, Governor, we have fun sometimes, even though the country's going to hell, we have to have a little bit of fun. But every time I interchange Barack Hussein Obama, remember Rush Limbaugh? He'd go, Barack Hussein Obama. I wonder what he was getting at. But every time I do interchanging, we do a little interchanging, they say, he doesn't know who the president is. He thinks it's Barack Obama. I say, no, no, but I think Barack Obama has a lot to do with running the country right now, and we can't let that happen. He has a lot to do with it. song, yes? Name of this song again, Angry or something. Or, yeah, it's pretty good. Arthur Idala loves this song. I think he masturbates to this song. I really do. Yeah, I'll, I'll enjoy listening to this from now on. <laughs> yeah, I guess I ruined it for you. Sorry. Well, get ready for um, spring training, folks. The football season is over and the Chiefs have won it again. Unless you're... You know, a lot of folks in this country, they're like all football all the time. They... They actually watch grown men in shorts jumping up and down at the Combine in Indianapolis. I mean, that's when you're a real tard. I'm sorry. The draft uh, is important in New York because the Jets and Giants both suck the big one. The Giants pick number six, and the Jets pick number ten. But uh, of this other stuff that you people watch, I mean, what's wrong with you? So The Knicks are still very good. The Rangers are still very good. And we got spring training. The Yankees should win the American League pennant. They should. Picking up a whole bunch of good players this year, including Soto, which is amazing. And I don't know about the Mets. The Mets, they did nothing. Steve Cohen did nothing. This He's building a casino. That's all I know. Great. Who the hell's going to pitch, Steve? So all that is uh, very, very important. Much more important than Russia-Ukraine, if you ask me. <laughs> Maybe not. Uh, my next guest is uh, just tremendous. The numbers prove it. People love it when he's on, as do I. 
And I was fortunate enough and honored to be on his great podcast, War Room, live from Israel a couple of weeks ago. He's my dear friend, Steve Bannon. Steve, let's start with this. Uh, our friend Trump there in South Carolina this weekend was, um, he wasn't even intimating. He was saying that he believes Barack Obama is still running this country. And I've said that for months, if not years. Do you agree with that? I think uh, the Obama clique has a lot to do with, uh, you know, what's happening with uh, with Joe Biden. Right. It made the policies of uh, of Obama uh, still roll through this uh, administration, including, I think, not backing, uh, not backing Israel. And this is coming to a head with uh, what's happened overnight um, with the uh, Biden regime. So, no, I think I think uh, Obama's have a uh, have a lot to do with what's going on. And I quite frankly think they're the puppet masters and back of Biden and they consider it their third term. Wow. OK, I uh, I agree with that. But you said. It's about to come to a head with what happened in Israel overnight. You know, a friend of mine put up a great, great little saying on Instagram this morning, and it said that, um, you know, uh, Joe Biden told Israel don't go into Rafa, and Israel didn't listen to Joe Biden, and they went into Rafa, and they saved two hostages. Now that is an epping touchdown, playing, of course, off the Super Bowl yesterday. So Israel goes in against United States wishes, and they save two hostages. Is that what you were alluding to about last night? No, no, no. I'm talking about airstrikes, and, you know, they're preparing for a ground offensive. So I think the Israelis have been very straightforward. They've got to take care of the Muslim Brotherhood uh, franchisee in uh, in Gaza, which is Hamas, and I think they've been very straightforward at what they have to do. And Rafa is, you know, they're going to clear it out in the south. Uh, they said it was all all of Gaza, not just the north. I think they've been very straightforward. I think they've really thought this through. I think the hostages were kind of a, a, a preamble to this, but they've had airstrikes overnight, and I think they're getting ready for the ground offensive today or tomorrow. And Biden, I think the Biden administration has told them we don't support that. And I think they've you know, if you listen to some of, I think, smartest commentators in Israel and observers and people here in the United States that support Israel, uh, they're saying the Biden administration is basically saying you can't do it. So I think this thing's coming to a, a, a crisis yeah. between this yeah. U.S. administration and what the Israelis have said from the beginning they're going to do. I think it's already there. I mean, don't forget, Biden is on record, Steve, a week and a half ago calling Netanyahu, quote, a bad effing guy. He actually cursed. Uh, we know, of course, that, um, again, Biden told the Israelis, don't go into Rafa. They did, and uh, they got these hostages out. You know, we know that this uh, traitor, as Mark Levin calls him, and I agree, the Secretary of State Blinken was just in Ramallah with the leader of Palestine, Habas, who to me is as bad as it gets. And those two are trying to work out a solution for a two-state solution, which is the last thing I want, Israelis want, or Netanyahu. So when you say coming to one head, I think it's already there. The question is, when it gets to that proverbial head, what happens? Well, I think it, it, then it's going to decide what the American people, if they have Israel's back or not. That's why I think President Trump and the return of President Trump is so important. I don't think anybody, any president, including President Reagan, did more, or Bush did more for the support of, uh, of Israel as our ally in the Middle East than President Trump. Not just the Abraham Accords, but moving the uh, embassy to Jerusalem, which is a big, you know, big deal for us. We actually wanted to do it earlier in the administration or his first term. So I think people, this is going to come down to the American people, the American people. And 
folks got to understand the Democratic Party. I think Biden will be the last Democratic president, the last guy, last Democrat. Uh, uh, actually, he's not president. It's just a regime. <laughs> but he'll be the last Democrat to win the Democrat presidential nomination that I think supports a free and independent Israel. You know, it's really frustrating, though, Steve. And you're right. You talked about uh, Jerusalem. Let's also remember he recognized the Golan Heights as a part of Israel. And, and maybe most importantly, which Obama did and uh, Biden did as well, he stopped delivering pallets of cash overnight to the Palestinians, folks. Yes, the Palestinians who gave it to Hamas with no problem. So let's uh, slow down with innocent Palestinians. But but he did all that, Trump. But I was at an event on Saturday night. I know you know about this, Steve. I was honored by the Fifth Avenue Synagogue. And actually, the U.N. ambassador to Israel, Gilad Erdan, presented me with the very coveted and prestigious Guardian of Israel Award. And this is a shul in, the up, you know, in, the, in Fifth Avenue in, in New York City, all very wealthy, influential Jewish people. And at one point, I talked about the map, flying home from Israel two weeks ago. I said, Israel's a little speck, Steve. And it's surrounded by about seven Arab countries that want to kill us. Then I made my way towards Europe. France, they don't like us. Germany, they don't like us. The UK, they don't like us. Thank God I made my way towards Kennedy Airport because America loves us. And then I realized we don't love them either. And some Jewish guy, I said, you tell me in the audience, you think America loves us? And some guy said, yes. And I had to explain to him that how could you possibly love Israel and fund Iran at the same time? Why am I still explaining that, Mr. Bannon, to Jews and Americans overall? Because I think people want to look the other way. They want to bury their heads in the sand. The other thing, too, even for the Israelis, I think it's been too, there hasn't been enough discussion and facing reality. This is about Sharia supremacism. And for those who say, well, why are you back in Israel? Because Israel is basically the Judeo-Christian West in the Middle East. And the Sharia supremacists have every intention of coming here. And what we've let through the southern border, we're, I think we're about to get hit. You know, President Trump, we had no terrorist attacks in President Trump's first term. And the reason is we had, we had the travel ban right at the beginning. And President Trump got DHS in there. Not a guy like Mallorca, but got DHS in the Oval Office. And every day he focused on making sure America was safe. People have put their head in the sands about this, including a lot of Israel, a lot of Israel's political leaders. Thinking this is the PLA. It's not a sec- this is not a secular thing. This is Sharia supremacism. They want to drive Israel into the sea. They want to take over the Holy Land from the Christians. And then they'll deal – they've already invaded Europe. Europe's going to collapse because of this. They, they, you know, all the European globalists are talking about Russia. They shouldn't worry about the invasion they've already allowed uh, in Europe, which will bring Europe to a collapse in 10 years. And the United States, the United States is their target, the great Satan. And so, yeah, we allow Persia to get money. We're funding both sides of this over the weekend in the Senate. You have this huge debate. It takes up Super Bowl Sunday. They never work over the weekend. We're going to have J.D. Vance on the show today to talk about this. One of the things, part, part of this bill is humanitarian aid to, um, to, to Hamas. Gaza, yeah. More, 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 more humanitarian aid. And, and Mike Lee and, uh, and Ted Cruz and Tom Cotton and these guys couldn't be clearer. It, since Hamas controls Gaza, when you ship the humanitarian aid in, it doesn't go for humanitarian purposes. Duh, right. It goes to basically fund the other side of it. So we're on every side of this trade. Yep. 
in the Middle East, but we're not looking at reality. And reality is this is a Sharia supremacist movement, and we've got to face that. Steve, great job. I want to put you on hold for a second. When we get back, okay, Trump said a couple of things this weekend, and the media is seizing on it. So we talk about why people in this country feel what they do about Donald Trump. It's because they watch MSNBC or they watch CNN, and instead of getting to know the facts, they remain ignorant, in some cases stupid, because of what they see on TV or read in the papers. Trump quotes from over the weekend. We look at those with the great Steve Bannon on sitting friends in the morning. Keep it right here. I'm in a desperate state. I'm not angry with you. Don't just fit in my face. The worst thing that you know is I teach them the cloth. My mouth's getting sore. I can't take any Entertaining and informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. One thing about the Charlottesville that, that, that I ranted about. Yes. And I was wrong. About the both sides thing. No, because he said the, the both sides, you know, there's good people on both sides. And when you see the full quote. Yeah. Yeah. It, that wasn't what, what he said. And, 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 you know, I, I, ranted on him hard for that mm -hmm. hard there's some video about it whatever i mean i ranted hard because i was like what are you hard. talking about man one for tomorrow, one just for today. Love me two times, I'm gone away. Classic Doris, love me two times. Happy birthday to the late, great Ray Manzarek, who was such a huge part of the band there with Jim Morrison, Ray Manzarek. Not celebrating a birthday today because he's dead, but we celebrate the doors. And that was actor Michael Rappaport, who has made a living the last couple of years of crapping all over my friend Donald Trump. But even he said in a podcast a few days ago, I was wrong. I think my wife and daughter just had words about this, and I've said this for years, because the media only plays Donald Trump saying there were nice folks on both sides. They cut out the next part where Donald Trump says very loudly, except the Nazis. But they don't play that part. Jake Tapper even came to his rescue once of all people. But that's part of the problem here, Steve Bannon is that they don't play the whole damn quote. And if you play half a quote from anybody, anyone can look bad, yes? Oh, it's no doubt. I mean, they, they've always selectively edited President Trump. You saw it this weekend. When he, anytime he, says, he talks about NATO, right? Anytime he talks about NATO or talks about the southern border or the invasion of this country, they always want to clip it to put it in the worst perspective or the deportations that have to come. They always want to put it in the into the worst uh into the worst element but you know people got to grow up the people watch msnbc watch msnbc for a reason right the people that watch cnn watch cnn for a reason and i think you're seeing an undertow uh of, uh, in the black community the hispanic community particularly black men hispanic men they've just had a belly full of it and as soon as they get access 
and just start listening to President Trump, things change. And I think that's why he's leading this, uh, leading in all these polls across the board. He's actually going to be, uh, believe, in court today for the hearing for the classified documents. You know, look, at the end of the day, Steve, I get frustrated. I'll be honest with you. Seeing all these reports, 86% of Americans think Joe Biden is too old. I don't think he's too old. I think he's too crooked. I think he's run a criminal enterprise, him, his brother, his son, for many years. There's no way a guy who's been in the Senate should be living in a $9 million mansion in Delaware. That's the bottom line. On top of that, the way he treats Israel. I mean, this guy is the worst president ever. Domestic issues, economy, it's a mess. And all we're doing since the special counsel came out is talking about his age. It's almost like, even though that hurt him, that hurt him badly, right, Steve? But it's almost like now he becomes a sympathetic figure. I'm not okay with that. You know what I mean? I don't know if people, with everything happening in the world, I don't know if people take it sympathetically. And even the Democrats, remember, the ones who want to get rid of him the most are the ones that put him in here and stole the 2020 election. They understand. They're saying, oh, he only agreed to one term. What is he doing? Look at Bill Maher. Look at the left. They're in full meltdown, complete and full meltdown. That's why the Obama apparatus has continued to push, you know, Michelle Obama. But, hey, they brought him in, stole the election. As I say, elections have consequences. Stolen elections have catastrophic consequences. Now, the big thing today, they're going to file the Supreme Court uh, on this immunity thing of Jack, crazy Jack Smith. Then tomorrow, behind closed doors, there's sworn deposition testimony in the impeachment hearing on Biden. From Tony Bobolinsky, who's an eyewitness, an eyewitness to uh, Biden's dealings with the Chinese Communist Party. So this thing's heating up. There's yeah. a lot going on behind the scenes. And people Good. should know that. But the, the people that want to get rid of Biden the worst are the same people yeah. are the most are the same people that put him in and used him as a prop to steal the 2020 election. I agree. Tony Bobolinsky, of course, became famous with Tucker Carlson. That was after my friend Miranda Devine at the New York Post broke the story. But you know what also frustrates me? I mean, everything does at this point, Steve. But, you know, Trump has been criminally charged with these documents, and Biden's not. Now, people say, well, there was obstruction of justice with Trump, and, well, they told him to return those things, and he wouldn't do it. That's all nonsense. At the end of the day, how can you possibly charge one without the other? And by the way, by the way, Trump has a great defense. He was president. He can declassify anything. Biden, vice president, can't. Why is it okay to to uh, to put Trump in court and not Biden? Explain that to me. Well, it's not. I mean, in 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 hers, uh, you know, hers uh, uh, filing, he said that he he willfully retained. And disclose classified information. The only reason it's not going forward is this kind of cover that he's an elderly man who would be sympathetic. Yeah, but hold on a second. But he also said, before he said elderly man, he said he willfully had them. And he also said, you remember this part, he put, our, yep. he put our national security at risk. How is that not a crime? It's a definitely a crime. He knew, I think her knew that Garland under no circumstances would ever file charges against uh, against Biden. And that's why he put, that's why he made the uh, the report so damning. The report's not, I tell you, the report is an indictment. It's a it's incumbent upon us to drive this forward and use our platforms. That's what Miranda Devine's piece in the New York Post today is fantastic about to, to, uh, about Bob Alinsky. Yeah. And she continues to keep that in front. That that's going to be a major uh, deposition tomorrow. But it's incumbent upon us with platforms to continue to drive this because her gave us an indictment. What you have to do is drive it home to the American people.
Let me ask you this. If Barack and the Democrats can't convince Michelle to run, because she's kind of wobbly, right? No one else can beat Donald. Newsom can't beat him. Harris can't beat him. Remember the days he used to joke around about Pete Buttigieg or Bernie Sanders? point is, nobody can beat him. So if they are doing all this in a concerted effort, let's say, one big effort to make sure Biden doesn't run again, if Michelle doesn't run, what do they got? They're desperate, but remember what they're thinking about is down ticket now. They're worried about they're worried about us picking another ten seats up in the House, flipping the Senate with four or five seats, winning a bunch of governorships in these state legislatures. You know, you're worried about the New York. You know, New York. We could actually pick up a couple of seats in New York, no matter how much they're trying to jerry rig uh, New York, which I think Albany's, you know, it's probably the most corrupt state capital in the union. So I think they're panicked. And they want to find a replacement. They have no no mechanism to do that. He's dug in right now. And I think that's why they're panicking, because they realize this could be a sweep. This could be a 19th. If we get focused and have President Trump's back and stop all the nonsense and everybody come together, stop all this phony primary, stop these phony debates, get the big donors and back of Trump nice. and stop these fantasies of getting rid of him. We can have a 1932 type realignment here. I, I hope mean, so. It's right in front of us. I heard the it's same right thing. Uh, I heard the same thing about 2022. It turned out to be a complete disaster. Jesse Waters was talking about 55, 54, and it was nothing like that. But you're right. Nikki Haley needs to bow out, get Trump all that donor but, money. But, and- hold, hold, but Sid, Sid, go back. <laughs> the, the difference between us picking up the seats we picked and another 25 seats came down to a lot of times a thousand votes in a district that's true that, that was one we just didn't deliver at the yeah. very end and hey people got to worry about this Taylor Swift thing's not not a not a fantasy remember in 22 it was Gates that said that what you're seeing is on TikTok you're seeing these young women about the abortion issue about Dobbs and they're motivated and they're organized and you know TikTok's a platform of the Chinese Communist Party but they were organized Matt Gates in July and August of 22 warned about that. And if you go back and look at the voting, that's exactly what happened. And that's why this Taylor Swift thing is not so, is not a joke. People are kidding around a joke, you know, Biden's in back of it, but it, it's quite serious. Well, it's so serious that our friend actually went to Truth Social last night, and he said this, I signed and was responsible for the Music Modernization Act for Taylor Swift and all other musical artists. Joe Biden didn't do anything for Taylor and never will. There's no way she could endorse crooked Joe Biden, the worst and most corrupt president in the history of our country, and be disloyal to the man who made her so much money. And then he goes on to talk about how he likes her boyfriend, Travis, but that's what you're talking about, right? A hundred percent. This thing has been too. I, I'm not saying that the NFL plotted this or that the media plotted this, but look, there are no coincidences. And she's a very powerful look. On Saturday, we had a live crew down at that amazing uh, rally at uh, Coastal Carolina. Tens of thousands of young people, all supporting President Trump, coming out. And we asked them. Most of them were from New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, and Connecticut, down there to the Southern College. It was incredible support for President Trump. But the young women, I had my correspondent ask specifically about Tara Swift. To a person, they said she's quite powerful, yep. and if she came out and endorsed, it would be a very powerful endorsement. 
for those young girls that follow her. Agreed. So it's a, it's an issue. No, listen, she's got girls wearing football jerseys, Steve. That's all you need to know. And then the last 60 seconds, you were on a couple of weeks ago talking about Lloyd Austin when he was able to hide from everybody, the president. The whole cabinet didn't know that our secretary of defense, in, in a world where it's on fire, we're fighting everywhere, the Americans and the Israelis, and the secretary of defense disappears for two weeks to a hospital. Now he's back in the hospital. I know Kathleen Hicks, his deputy, is looking over things today, but this seems to be a pretty serious issue. Now, this time he did tell everybody that's a good step, I guess. But on a serious note, how could Lloyd Austin do his job? He can't do his job. And remember, Sid, right before Christmas, we had Lloyd Austin for four or five days off the radar. Nobody knew where he was. And a guy that clearly is laid out in a government document. That's her report is an official government document that has dementia. It has dementia. So that's what that's what those are the two figures in the National Command Authority about nuclear weapons, Lloyd Austin and, uh, and Biden. People should people should think about that because Biden's dementia is not getting any better. No. Lloyd Austin ought to resign immediately. Agreed. Who's on the war room today besides um, uh, who just mentioned only somebody big, actually? We have J.D. Vance kicking right. off about this fiasco in the Senate. We're going to have J.D. on for about a half hour. We've got Jeff Trenner talking about this debt crisis. Is, is about to explode, and, and the Senate and the House refuse to deal with it. So we're going to get some experts today and talk about it. All right. Well, you're the biggest expert of all, Steve, to be honest. War Room, that is a great podcast. I had the honor of being on it two weeks ago. Steve's here every Monday morning. Another fabulous, excellent, terrific appearance. Steve Bannon, I love you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Sid, and uh, honored to be on the show. Thank you, bud. Steve Bannon right here on Sid and Friends in the Morning. And that's going to wrap up our number three. He's so good. Steve Bannon is great. We'll talk Super Bowl. The Chiefs have done it again. Talking about Taylor Swift with WFAN legend Joe Beningo. Nova's got the news. More of me, Sid, coming up. Happy birthday, Manzari and the Doors. Is sit in friends in the morning. Seventy seven WABC. Another Eddie's Kazari favorite, I believe, in the Eddie's Kazari favorite all-time list. This one, Band of Gold, is right behind Sister Golden Hair Surprise. That's his favorite song ever by America. Yeah, that's one. I think this is number two, Band of Gold, I think. He has a Holly song, I think. Oh, he's two. He ain't heavy? No, no. Not that one? He likes something really weird. Yeah, well, he's a weird guy. I think it's... He's a weird guy. Jennifer Eccles or something? Oh, maybe. I don't know. I swear to God. You know, I haven't even seen Eddie in in years and years and years. Well... 2014, I think, was the last time when I was filling in for Boomer and Craig with Kim Jones was the last time I saw Eddie. And he was still wearing some 
Some old Dan Marino jersey. Well, he can, <laughs> get to his best uh, Steve Bannon invitation, probably. Well, he won't be on this show until yeah. he leaves the fam. Like last week, we had Francesa. We get Russo. We get uh, Steve Summers. We get Malusis. We get all those guys and Beningo. So when they leave the fan, then they come on this show. They want to be here anyway because this is more fun. The band, you got to stick to talking sports. My God. <laughs> Olivero knows I love him, but my God. That's I, the. I, I, I don't understand the coin toss and why they were called tails. Listen, I could just imagine in San Francisco today, the whole day. Why did Shanahan elect to take the ball in overtime? Which, by the way, was stupid. The whole idea is you watch what the other team does and you respond. So you absolutely defer. In, but who cares? Like the minutia of sports talk, I don't miss it. And Boomer sounded terrible last night, sitting on the NFL today with no voice, doing radio all week, and that horrible show he does with all my friends, Sims, and everybody else. So it's just one big... Disaster, really. I just saw at a San Francisco Chronicle why you shouldn't blame Kyle Shanahan. There you go. For See? Super See? Bowl That's it. And they'll be doing the same talk here. Believe me, it'll be uh, the <laughs> Sal and uh, Tierney. They'll be talking uh, the Tiki and the whole nonsense. The whole world is coming to an end. The whole world is coming to an end. And they're going to yell and scream about <laughs> Kyle Shanahan like he's Joe Biden. And the coin talk. Yeah. Well, why did you leave Sports Talk Radio? I don't know, because I decided that bombs in Israel are worse than coin tosses at the Super Bowl. <laughs> Here is uh, the legend, uh, the great Joe Beningo. Joe, good morning, buddy. How are you? A couple things here, Sid. Uh, Lou, first of all, free to pain, Band of Gold. And I think also um, his favorite song is, and one of the songs I could just detest, He's talking about Eddie Scazzeri, is Bohemian Rhapsody by Queen. Oh. I know he loves that song. I love that song, okay. actually. And, yeah. I, and I, well, I don't. Yeah. But, but, that, but, you know, this is, you know, different strokes for different folks, as, uh, you know, Sly Stone once said. <laughs> by the way, and let me also say this, okay? I got to give you tremendous props because, you know, what you going and doing shows in Israel like you did, I mean, I, I got to tell you, bro, I got to give it up for that. That, that takes big uh, gahunas, number one. And uh, just shows how you have now, you know, uh, you, you know, you talked about elevating from the sports world to the real world. Well, God knows you, uh, you're all over that now. So congratulations, oh, great job by you, thank bro. Thank you. I appreciate that. I saw that. some of the pictures. I saw you with that uh, that that assault weapon. You look very natural <laughs> with the assault weapon. I, 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 actually, I know you want to take it with you to the streets of New York, but I don't know if you'll I said get away that. with that. I, I said that on the video. I wanted to take I it know, home. I know, yeah. I know you did. And, know, uh, and uh, Dory Lewak, the uh, the great writer for the New York Post, actually put that picture in the New York Post. They ran a nice story about my trip right. on Saturday. But, well, listen, I, I love sports talk. And, and, and while I kind of joked around about it just now, the truth is because of what's going on in the world, Joe, because right. everything is so bad, we need sports talk. We need to get away from all the horror. Well, of what's happening, and that's what sports talk does. Now, to me, it well, gets too involved in minutiae. afternoon, I don't want to interrupt you, Sid, but yeah. yesterday afternoon, because there's no way I watch any of the pregame, just all nonsense. You know, I, I watch nothing. You know, football now, and I, you know I love football, but football now, there's some things, obviously, that bother me about it. We won't get into Roger Goodell and all his nonsense, but whatever. Um, you know, I don't, I don't put these games on until it's game time. I don't want to see any of the pregame show. I don't need to see any of that garbage. And yesterday afternoon, what am I doing at 2, two o'clock in the afternoon? I'm watching Big Don give his speech at the NRA in Pennsylvania. That's what I'm doing. I you know love I mean? it. 
I love it. Wasn't that a great speech, by the way? Because I was. watched it too. Wasn't it great? Tremendous. So it's, and he had a great speech. The, the uh, rally the night before in, in, South, in Carolina. South Carolina. Yeah. Was also outstanding. So, so you're God telling bless, me, God you're, bless Big Don. God bless. I know you love uh, Trump. So you're telling me, and it's going to take you a, a while to convince me. You're telling me that even before we we saw Reba McIntyre sing the national anthem, or Which before I did not see, by the way. Okay, but she anyway. was, she was actually great. Or before Post Malone did a great job with America the Beautiful. Hi, Margot. I love you. Good to see you. Looking beautiful as always. You're telling me. That you were not all caught up in singing the black national anthem? Uh, you know what? I, 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 look, I mean, all I'll say about that is, and by the way, what's Margot Robbie there with you? Are you doing close. Okay, Margot Katsimatidis, yeah. but close. Close. <laughs> She's beautiful. Uh, I thought, I, I, honestly, I thought we all were Americans and we all lived in the same country and we only had one uh, national Thank anthem. Thank you. But uh, silly me. You know, what can I tell you? It's not silly you, and, and uh, we'll move off this quickly. We'll get to the game. But between the black national anthem, we talked about Goodell moments ago, the end racism. Then the NFL hires Jay Z. We haven't had a white performer since 2019. Right. I think it was uh, I think it was oh, wait, uh, Maroon Five. How is Taylor Swift? I mean, with all that, and I understand she's doing concerts in Japan, Australia, wherever the hell she's doing them. With all this stuff with Kelsey, she can't do the halftime show, right? Really? I mean, or at least walk down. They I had Ludacris. I understand it's completely different kind of music, but you know, maybe you could maybe you could sing something. You I know? totally agree. But let's get to the game because. Uh, right. Somebody asked me, oh, well, Rich Lowry, who's a very, very good sports guy, he writes for the National Review. He's a not terrific guy. a big guy. fan of his, by the way. He does not like Don. No, that's Rich not Lowry. true. He goes back and uh, forth. Yes, he knows he yeah. does. It. You're Give funny. Me a break. You sound like now, Bernie. You, you like him because he's a nice guy. He does not like Trump. <laughs> he's not Rich his Lowry. biggest fan. I'll give you that. Okay. Uh, okay. But he, <laughs> he was on earlier. <laughs> Don't try to get these guys by me. You know what I mean? No, bro? I understand. He's on my show yeah, every no. Monday, okay. Rich. I've been friends with him for many, many years. But he did okay. ask me today... If I thought this was uh, the greatest Super Bowl, I said, listen, listen, listen. Uh, the first half was was boring, but it was good because you right. felt like it was a game. It was 10-3 to 3 at the half. Right. You knew. Right. And Boomer Esiason actually made the best point of all on the NFL today, which I only watched during halftime, not before, when he right. said Super Bowls are won in the second half. And he's right about right. that. He's right about yes. that. So, so Shanahan makes a really silly decision, a stupid decision. But the truth is... And I said this last week ten times. Francesca said it too. Nobody, Joe Meningo, nobody was going to deny Pat Mahomes and Andy Reid their third Super Bowl. Nobody. Well, look, let's be. Let's start with this. Patrick Mahomes has now moved into. If he's not the greatest quarterback of all time, and you could start to make a case for that, I understand Brady's got. You know, his uh, seven Super Bowl championships, Patrick's only got three now, but he's only 28, and God knows where he's going from here. He's got at least 10 more years if he stays healthy. Uh, right now, he clearly, Patrick Mahomes has put himself in the probably the top five quarterbacks of, of all time wow. at this point, and you could certainly make a case that he is number one. I mean, it's it's certainly in the conversation. I, I he's, certainly number, he's certainly number one over the last seven, eight, nine, maybe even ten years, a lot of no end question. of Brady's career, but are you putting him past the Bradshaws, the Aikmans, the Marinos, the Montanas, the Elways? I'm just asking. I'm not arguing. I, I think, look, I mean, I think you got to – he's certainly in that conversation, bro. Yeah. I mean – Oh, yes. Uh, look, I mean, who do you want – I mean, I, I think the biggest mistake, you talk about the mistake that Shanahan made. First of all, two big plays in this game that killed the 49ers. Number one was the muff punt that set up the touchdown when the chief offense was doing nothing against the uh, San Francisco uh, defense. They did a great job. Wilkes did a great job putting pressure on Mahomes. He looked confused the entire first half. 
That muff punt basically gave him that touchdown and put him ahead 13-10. And then the missed the blocked extra point. I mean, that's one of the biggest plays yeah. in the game. Yep. You yep. know? I yep. mean, that's set it up where a field goal now can still tie the game. Uh, I thought those two those two plays were key in this game. And and in Shanahan, for Shanahan, you never want to give Patrick Mahomes the ball last. You know what I'm saying? No, I agree with you. No, it's a stupid move. And by the way, you're right about those two plays. You're right about Mahomes. But let's go to the coach. You know, right yeah. now he's tied with Bill Walsh and Joe Gibbs. Only right. two guys in the history right. of the game, Bill Belichick and Chuck Knoll, have won more Super Bowls than Andy right. Reid. So the question right. is, who's closer to being the best ever, Mahomes at quarterback or Reid as head coach? No, it's definitely Mahomes. I, I don't think there's any question about it. It's definitely look. I give Andy Reid tremendous credit. He's been to five Super Bowls. He, he all those championship games with Donovan McNabb in Philadelphia. They finally got to the one bowl and you know lost to New England. I give him his props. He's one of the all-time. And a matter of fact, bro, only two guys have ever coached in more Super Bowls than him, and that's Belichick and Shula. Belichick with uh, you know the nine he co- he coached with the Patriots and Shula who coached in six, five with the Dolphins, the one with the Colts, where my team actually won a mere 55 years ago now. But nevertheless, uh, you know, uh, is he up there as one of the all-time greats? Uh, no question. I think he's third in wins now behind he is. only uh, he is. Shula and, uh, and Belichick. And Belichick, he's right behind him. Right, he's got, he's yeah. got this, all, uh, like, just all-time. I mean, this guy, this quarterback, this guy's unbelievable. I agree. I, I agree. Mean, he can beat you. You know, I'm, one of the biggest plays of the game, all right, uh, was the uh, fourth down in overtime, and I'm watching sitting with my wife. I think it was fourth and one, and I'm saying to her, "Yeah, Mahomes has got to run the ball here. He's got to run. You're not giving the ball there. He's got to." And he did. He ran for about four yards in the first down. He got a big run as well in that final drive. Twenty yards. Twenty yeah. yards. Yep. Right. Uh, this guy is. I'm telling you, bro. When all is said and done. You're going to look at him as, I think, number one. He may be. I, I, no, I really believe he's that. on that trajectory. He's not there yet. But uh, by the way, the, the game you talked about, the Patriots and the Eagles, I actually went to that game with Matt Deutsch. It was the yes, last I year. Well, there's, there's some tremendous. That was in Jacksonville. Yes, and there's some tremendous stories. Yeah, there are some stories. You. That was the last year I was with Jody Mack. The very next year, Joe Beningo joined me middays right. at WFAN. Right. Um, right. So, so great game. Kansas City gets the win. They move on, right. and like, like you said. You're right. They're a dynasty. Mahomes on his way to being the great, on his way to being the greatest yes. ever. Andy Reid, an all-time great coach. So for Joe Beningo now, what happens? Are you are you looking more forward to spring training with the Mets next month, the Jets number ten overall pick in April, or the conclusion of the season, the second half for the two winter local teams are doing very well, the Knicks and the Rangers. My biggest concern right now is the country, bro. I, I have to tell you, I, I am more concerned right now with what's happening in our country and in the world than with anything else. A- am I excited about the Knicks? It would be nice if everybody got healthy. I mean, you know, they need Randall healthy. They made this trade for Ananobi, and immediately he's hurt. Now he's got surgery on his elbow or whatever. You know, so I'm, and I like the trade they made, getting Bogdanovich and Burks and all of that. But Knicks got to get healthy. They got a real, they got a legitimate team. But without Randall and Ananobi, you know, there's only so far they're going to go. So they need these guys without, without doubt. As far as the Rangers are concerned, uh, look, I mean, they're hot now. They've won four in a row after uh, you know a little tailspin. They won their three games since the All Star break. Jonathan Quick to me has been the MVP of the team. I know Panarin's been phenomenal, but Shesterkin has not had a great year. His advantage had has been okay. You got the game winner in overtime the other night. Uh, two two real good teams in the Garden, but um, you know, a long way to go to get where they need to be. 
But as far as the Mets are concerned, please, the Mets are You know, I thought the Wilpons were gone. I really did. And now, we, <laughs> Same now, thing. now we got Steve Cohen. Same he ain't thing. spending money either with this guy Stearns he brought in. Don't get me started on him. You know, he's a small market GM. So, But my, my biggest concern right now is Donald Trump winning the presidency again. I it that. really is. That's why you belong here. If you do a Saturday show, I keep telling Katsimatidis and Chad this, you should do a Saturday show here, not the fan. First of By all, way, can I say something? Yes. This, this makes me crazy. You know, the fact that, that the mainstream media and, and all the Democrats are defending Biden after this, this guy, her, the special counsel, basically said he's, you know, he's basically said he's not fit to be president anymore, and not so many words, but he's basically said that. So if everybody's coming out now, oh, he's this, he's so, she's sharp as a tack and all, then why isn't he getting indicted? For, uh, <laughs> right, right. Right. I don't hear none of that. No, I mean, no, oh, no, no, Don, no, oh, cool. No, oh, no, well, no, it's no, different because, no, you know, Don no. did. What, are you kidding me? I just had oh, that my. discussion with Steve Bannon right before you came on. Well, Don had obstruction of justice. Tell but, him I said hello. I right? will. But by the way, the difference is, and why, and why it's even worse that Trump has been indicted and not Biden, is when Trump did it, he was president. That right, means he correct. can declassify these right. these uh, items. Uh, Biden, as VP, couldn't even do that. So it was even well, doubly even dangerous. It was senator. It was, I mean, like from right. 30 years ago or whatever. I mean, come on. Yeah. No, you're, you're all over it, Joe. You're all un- over it. Unbelievable. Well, unbelievable. Thank you for coming on this morning, as always. Another uh, excellent, excellent, excellent appearance. I love you to death, and we'll talk again next week. We'll do more Donald Trump. Hey. God bless. God when bless you. See you. Big Don, when you see Big Don, tell him I said hello. I'm right. going to see him in March. I'm going. I'm actually going to do three shows from Miami. I'm going to spend uh, when a are whole. You doing, by the way, when are you going to Mar-a-Lago to in March. the exclusive interview? Uh, in March. I can't oh, give. You it, are. I, I was told that I can't give out the exact date, but in March, yes. Okay. Isn't that cool? No, bro. Who's the, uh, Sid? Who's better than you? <laughs> You are, bro. Joe, I love love you, Joe. Thank you. All the love. All the love. bro. The legendary WFAN host, my buddy. He's great. I'm sorry, folks. The most entertaining sports talk he's ever. Russo and that man, Joe Beningo, will take a short break. We'll come back on the Monday post-Super Bowl edition of Sitting Friends in the Morning. Keep it right here. in the morning 77 wabc hi i'm mark levin some people call me the great one some people call me the great big one depending on how much i weigh but i want to say this it is a tremendous honor to be able to speak to you on behalf of my dear friend i feel like he's my brother sid is a leading light sid is one of the most patriotic people i know and in two countries, the United States and Israel. If I were in a foxhole, I would have once Sid there with me. Sid and I text all the time now, and it's the same subject, Judaism and Israel, what we're up against, how we fight this, what we need to say, we share each other's information, and so forth and so on. 
Sid understands that he has been blessed with a huge platform. He's one of the biggest radio people in all of New York City. And he knows this. And he uses it for good. He uses it for God and country. And he uses it to defend the great state of Israel. It is an honor, an honor to stand shoulder to shoulder with my friend Sid, even though he's a little shorter. It's more like shoulder to stomach, but it doesn't matter. He's a big man with a big heart. And it is my great honor to be able to thank you people for this honor, well-deserved. And Sid, I want to thank you for all that you do during these very dark and grave times. God bless all of you folks here. God bless Sid. God bless America. God bless Israel. Michael McDonald, and that, of course, a great one, six to nine every weeknight, right after John Katzmatidis and Weeder, right before Bill O'Reilly, my friend Mark Levin. They've got two of those tapes from Dershowitz and Levin from Saturday night, which was uh, still a great, great event. How old is uh, McDonald again today? He's like 75 or something, right? Uh, Michael McDonald, 72. 72. All right. Woo. Everybody's in their 70s that we play on this show. Some 80s. Mick Jagger's 80. Keith Richards is 80. There were others that uh, in their 80s, and then we play a lot of guys that are dead Dylan, and women. Dylan's got to be. Dylan's in the 80s. Yeah. I think this guy, the next, I, somebody that you forget. Who's that? In the Grateful Dead, Bob Weir. Oh, I love Bob Weir. Now, when he's, sorry to say, gone, yeah. that will, that'll be the end of a big thing because that'll be really the significant end of the Grateful Dead. That'll be it, right. I, think. I mean, Jerry Garcia died. They still kind of held it together. Not really, but kind of. But they've been using... All kinds of musicians back and forth, yeah. like um, but Bruce, we're, we're Bruce Hornsby, yep. Steve, uh, John Mayer. These guys have all toured with them. And um, I think there's still a few uh, members there, but Bob Weir will be sig- uh, significant. I agree. Oh, what about Robert Plant or, or um, you know, or Jimmy Page? He's like 79. Yeah, definitely. They'll be, they're the next big ones, too, of course. Henley Walsh. But they're not. Don Henley is, and he's fine. He's not. Really? Well, you just don't know. Though. He's not 83. You just don't. Well, how old is he? He's in his 70s. Well, let's see. I don't, I, I don't I know. I know. He's 70s. a young man. My is mother he... my mother would say that about a 90. <laughs> in 97, he died. He's a young man. Let's see. How old 70s today is not a young man anymore. Oh, There's too yeah. much stress You're out right. there. He's 76. 76? He's old. <laughs> There's a lot of stress out there. 76 ain't young. He doesn't, he's got a peaceful, easy feet. He doesn't look that bad. No, he looks good, actually. He looks okay. Yeah. But you could look good, be old, and still die, Lewis. <laughs> I know that. Glenn <laughs> Fry looked I mean, okay. I yeah, Glenn too. Fry looked great. Yes. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Look at Imus. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're really terrible. <laughs>
Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. All right, we're done. That was a great show, a lot of fun. A Super Bowl coverage along with all the politics and news from the weekend. We'll be back tomorrow. Hopefully it's not a snowstorm. And, of course, you got the big election tomorrow. Swazi and Philip Wednesday, Ash Wednesday and Valentine's Day. Lou Rufino, great job. Justin Ellick, great job. And, uh, of course, Noam Layden, Joan Nolan, and Curtis Sliwa as well. God willing, as my friend Gene would say, we'll all be back for a 6 a.m. Tuesday show tomorrow morning. Until then, from all of us to all of you, truck in the Chicago, New York, Detroit, and it's all on this main street. Your typical city involved in a typical daydream. Hang it up and see what tomorrow brings. Dallas got a soft machine. Houston, too close to New Orleans. New York got the ways and means and just won't let you be.